Welcome to Dino Files episode number 24. Today, I am here with Zach. Shalom. The returning guest, Zach. It is wonderful to have you, sir. It's good to be here. I'm glad you feel that way. Before we get going on the stories and stuff like that, let's pour a beer. Let's pour a beer. All right. Yes, sir. There you go. First drink of the night, appropriately, Liberty Ale. (laughs) (laughs) I just dropped my opener. (laughs) Oh, what a wonderful show. It's just starting out so well. So, um, today, Zach, we are going to be talking about various issues. We're going to begin the show talking about some legislation. Then we're going to move on and we're going to speak about some news stories. Yes, sir. Thank you. And then we're going to move on, and we are going to talk about the issues that are facing people like us, shitholes like us, with unpopular opinions. I'll toast to that. (laughs) I don't actually talk like that, everybody. I've been on the show before. If anything, I sound weird. Very... Just not testing. Kind of the flat Midwestern accent, just not Yeah, yeah, there's not there. It's just not going on there. Not Not, not much, you know. Not the northern part of that, no. No, Kansas. <laughs> Can't, oh, there's, there's, there's a that's a state everyone forgets about, and thank God they do. <laughs> Where are you from, Kansas? Never heard of it. Mm. Tastes like freedom. It does. <laughs> and it tastes like Liberty Ale. Brought yeah, to does. you by. <laughs> yes, sponsored podcast Liberty Ale. Brought to you by beer generally. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so. We are going to be looking at these stories, and uh, first of all, I want to ask you, sir, how have you been? I've been well. I've been well. I uh, just graduated college, so. Ah, graduated Excited college. Again, what was, your, what was your degree? I had two degrees. I had one degree in English and another degree in philosophy. Um, the funny thing is people keep asking me what I'm going to do with that. So they'll either ask me the blanket question, what do you want to do? Yeah. What do you want to do? What do you want to be? Yeah. Or, and, or so when are you going to start you know, student teaching? Or when are you going to be alive? <laughs> when are so, you going to start student teaching? Yeah. And so I started answering, um, I'm going to be an, they're like, what are you going to be? I said, well, I'm going to be an astronaut. <laughs> and they just look at me puzzled like, what? Well, yeah, there's a huge demand of philosophy majors in, in the uh, air, space aeronautics field right now. <laughs> Just thinking about why pondering the universe under immense pressure and lack of oxygen. I think that's the best fuck you to those questions I've ever heard. Yeah, yeah, that's, gonna what be an astronaut. Astronaut. that's what I live for. I'm going to space camp. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to do? As a person who went to space camp for several years in a row. Did you really? Yeah. <laughs> That explains a lot. Doesn't it? <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I was at space camp for uh, oh, a minute there. You never went to space camp. I was always at Boy Scout camp. Oh, yeah? So. Oh, yeah, that's right. You're an eagle, huh? Yeah, I got my eagle scout and all that. On my 18th birthday, so shout out to Ralph Messenger for being a real bro and signing off my paperwork. <laughs> like, literally, like an hour before I turned 18. So That's wonderful. I love that. 
Um, but and all seriousness, I actually am studying for the LSAT now. So are you really? Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see. What are you gonna do for? Uh, okay, LSAT. That's law school. That very is, that interesting. is law school. So they were right. They I mean they were completely right and justified in saying I'm gonna have to go do something yeah, else. Be a lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Gotta put bacon on the table. So yeah. No, I'm I'm with you on that. The uh, I considered actually doing that a little bit. The thing, like, I don't want the thing about going to law school is like I was looking at the different like different practices, right? You could practice yeah. international law or business law. Business law. And the one thing I just wanted to avoid was like getting stuck in a divorce court. Oh, you know geez, what I mean? Like, fuck, if there was right? one thing I would never want to do, it's also in the field I would want to be go into. Yeah. Um. So yeah, a lot of people go into law to try to make a lot of money, right? Honestly, it's a big scam. Like, I hate my lawyer. And if you're listening to this, go fuck off. Um, <laughs> Most lawyers are. Shout out to my lawyer for keeping my court case going for three years over something that should not have taken what, Wait a minute. You're in court? Yeah, 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 yeah. I got arrested. Felony charges for assassinating the president. Sorry, I thought we were talking about free speech. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, I got hit by a drunk driver, so I ended up suing my insurance company because they weren't wanting to pay. Oh, okay. And it was very clear, like clear in our uh, uh, the plan we had that I was covered for uninsured motorists. Of course. And they were like, "Well, you really weren't." I was like, "Well, I really was because we paid it, paid it up all full um, every month." So it's funny that they want you to pay every month, and if you don't, you're fucked. Yeah. But the minute you actually need help and the services that you you know you have been paying from them, for supposedly. No, not yeah, there. Not, not fuck there. you. Yeah, you enjoy your premium. Yeah, blah blah blah. Yeah, the uh, there's a. Uh, I have a question for you, and I don't think I've ever asked you this question. You don't have to answer. You ever been to jail? <laughs> oh, I've been to mall jail. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not even for like crime. Uh, I was with a guy, and uh, we called called the. Uh, uh, little mall cop called him Paul Blart he <laughs> no. was no shit like on a on the little uh, what was and after Paul Blart came out you had to be old enough to know not to do that yeah well do you think I care <laughs> we're we're actually legally there like they allowed us to be there and everything yeah, and yeah. we were completely within our right we talked to the people that like own the mall right so ask them hey can we do Christmas caroling outside and apparently carols were just too lit bro oh they god no too, yeah drop some dope beats and they just were not having it <laughs> Um, I've almost been to jail. Been to jail. Been to jail. I almost been to jail. <laughs> I almost been to jail. <laughs> jail many times. I've been to jail. Um, <laughs> yeah, I almost went to jail. Trying to think. Uh, one for cussing on a cop. Oh well, that's the quickest way. That was a good way. Yeah. Um, actually, there were two guys not too far from from uh, this place. I saw two two honestly, and I'll just be real with you. I saw two black guys pulled over on a side side of town that. Anybody else would not have gotten pulled over. Yeah. And so I went up behind the cop car. Within reason, too. I went, like, right behind the cop car. But yeah. Means, but I was there. Giving, giving. I think the law says it has to be, like, a reasonable distance to not impede on them doing their right. job. Right, so I wasn't in any way impeding on them. Yeah, yeah. Performing their job. And I was just giving a little oversight, making sure there wasn't yeah. anything going on. Because I was like, yeah, I'll videotape it. If something of course, happens. of course. And I was like, first off, they they, they didn't look like the, the sort of perfect Gangster that happens to be black, right? The one that everybody wants to, you know, say they. They were. didn't. They outward appearances. If outward appearances count for anything, they didn't seem like they should have been pulled over. No, they were in jeans and just like a t-shirt, same sort of yeah, t-shirt yeah. I get from Walmart, right? Yeah. Um, and they were there, just you know, like doing their thing. They were up against the the cop car, and I was wondering, like, what are they getting busted for, right? 
I'm assuming there was there's drugs is what they were looking for. See two two black guys driving through a side of town where uh, everybody is white upper middle class doing very well. Yeah. All their kids are in the football program. So of course the black guys got school. stopped. So yes, the black guys got stopped. <laughs> I got asked to leave, and I was asking why he wanted me to leave. He said I was impeding on the on their the investigation. investigation the turn, I told him I was a reasonable difference distance away. I was like at least a hundred feet away. No more, more than that. I was yeah, probably two hundred feet away. That's plenty. Like. It's almost like it wasn't even there. But, I don't know, maybe it made it kind of shady or whatever. Because I started flicking my lights. So I started trying to piss them off. Because oh, I was trying to, like, I was trying to fuck with him. Trying, <laughs> trying to shine the cop point, out. Yeah. After, after he did that to me, I was like, well, turn my brights on, bitch. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, he came into my car, asked me for my license registration, asked him why I couldn't be parked on the side of a road that I purchased. Apparently, <laughs> that was a problem. Told me to get out of the vehicle. I said, I'm not getting out of the vehicle unless you actually give me a reason. Yeah, blah, yeah. Blah, blah. So... He's like, well, I'm gonna, you know, we're gonna break your windows and everything. I was like, oh, man, all right, here's the deal. I ain't, I ain't gonna pay for broken windows. I got out of the car, but I swear to God, you put fucking handcuffs on me. We'll, we'll fucking, we'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll go. Right? Which I don't want to get shot, but I was carrying, and I was also 19 at the time. <laughs> <laughs> so, two and two together. Um, carrying firearms, yeah, so drugs, carrying, right? <laughs> yeah. And if you guys don't know, I was also in the Marines. So, so like, trust me, I love my, I love my country. But at the same time, I don't like bullshit. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, that's an awkward thing, being a Marine and being a pretty staunch libertarian. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is funny because most guys, when they get out, they'll vote libertarian. Like, they don't care what you do in your bedroom. They just don't want you to take their shit and take their yeah, money. Yeah, and, and as, soon as, as soon as somebody goes up and says, no foreign wars, all the military is like, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> have, you ever, have you heard of Smedley Butler? I have not. He was one, one of the first, like, definitely the, I think he might be the only big general that ever was. Uh, Medal of Honor recipient. Twice. Uh, man, man was, yeah. How do you win that twice? You're smelly fucking butler. <laughs> <laughs> he was an officer, too, which you don't see that. So he won the first at the Battle of Veracruz. Okay. Um, with another guy named John Quick, I believe was his name. And, uh, yeah, so there are two, two Marine Sergeant Dan Daly, who was, who was famously quoted with saying, Come on, you sons of bitches, you want to live forever? While charging and bayoneting the shit out of a, some German crowd. Oh my in, god, yes. In, in Bellow Wood, right? So these are the kind of men that win medals of honor. <laughs> and that's something about him. But he actually accused the government of, of racketeering and stuff. Uh, I would accuse the government of racketeering. Yeah. Well, this, was a, this, was, this was took place in, right after World War I in mm-hmm. like 1920. Um, he was, he was, it was that and that like corporations were in bed with the government. Of course, yeah. Um, and he wasn't even talking about like Standard Oil or any of the monopolies, right? He yeah, was talking yeah. about just coming up businesses and different industries and things like that. And there was actually a plan, apparently, to overthrow the government. These corporations were going to overthrow the government at one point. Jesus like, it's like, fuck! Like a legitimate plan. This isn't some like conspiracy. Is this conspiracy. Some, some Bilderberg shit? That's yeah, crazy. It wasn't a cons- it's not like a conspiracy theory. It's actually documented that this occurred, right? Um, but he, of course, got shut down. You know, sure. he, didn't, he didn't commit suicide or whatever, but... <laughs> commit suicide. Yeah. We're going to talk about that in a little yeah. bit. <laughs> you never heard of the, the... It's not the Farmer's March or some march. Uh, someone's army, Brown's army or something like that. Um, no, I've not. Yeah, a bunch of World War One veterans actually marched on Washington D.C. and like right after the war. I'm gonna need to. Look, I'm gonna take a note actually because I need to look that up. What did you say? It's called Brown's March or something. No, it's like the it's like March on Washington, early 20th century, uh, World War, World War One vets, and it was for like no compensation, no pay, things like that. Um, I think poor medical care, 
uh, it was just really interesting. And I was like, wow, government's just kind of shit on its veterans for a long time. America loves war and it hates its legions. Every country does. That is absolutely true. And you're right. It's, it's true of most countries. They, um, the, everyone's talking about Donald Trump and talking about like, well, as long as he takes care of the veterans, as long as he, and, and to be fair, he has done some stuff that's like, oh yeah, supposed to help the VA and, yeah, and all this other stuff. He's done a lot stuff. to help the VA and like good old G-Dubs himself, visit has visited hospitals and seen veterans yeah, and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Quick question. I'll turn this on. Oh yeah, you may. Sorry, everybody. No, you're fine. Um, I don't know. Turn it down to one though. If you hit speed, yeah, there you go. Don't want to interrupt. So uh, no, you're fine. So that that absolutely makes it. My my thing has always been this, and every time I hear somebody who's a Trump supporter say, "Oh, take care of the veterans, take care of the," okay, fine, but also. Isn't the best way to take care of veterans to not, not make more war. veterans? Right. <laughs> like. Yeah, I mean, look at how massive our our military is. Yeah. Compared it's to huge. The, like, what is the next twenty seven countries combined? Yeah. That's how many countries it takes to to get up to the same amount of force that we. we it's have. insanity. Um. And when force like that doesn't really count, I, I don't want to say count. When force like that isn't the primary player in modern warfare, like your the amount of boots you can put on a, on the ground. Isn't the primary force in the way matter. that the United States fights wars? No, no, no. It's the secondary. So the first thing you're going to do is you're going to bomb the shit out of yeah, everybody, right? Yeah, artillery yeah. and artillery and, and bombs. We've done that since World War One. Exactly. You bomb the yeah, even before that. If you got the bigger gun, use it. Try to kill as many of them off, or at least scare them off. Whatever. Absolutely. So like when we like Battle of Iwo Jima or Okinawa, right? Just yeah. naval bombardments for like twelve hours, just straight twelve hours straight before the actual invasions. Yeah. Same thing with the initial invasion of Iraq in 91. Mm-hmm. Or Kuwait in 91 was aerial bombardments and ships and that's everything. The, that's always been the plan. And that's been the way that we've been fighting terrorism for a decade? And, and More. It, it works if you want to invade a country. Yeah. If you keep everybody suppressed like that, same thing with a machine gun. People think the point of a machine gun is to kill a lot of people in a, in a short amount of time. No, the point of machine gun is to keep that fucker down keep people so, people from can, showing up. so people can move. Mm-hmm. So if you have two, like I said, there's a guy over there or whatever, and you've got a machine gun going off, and it's shooting. If he's within 800, 800 meters of that thing, he's not poking his head up. No, he's not going to move. No damn way. Yeah. Two, two of them, you got one guy shooting off, and you got the other guy shooting off. They don't know where it's coming from, so people can move. Yeah, they and can, then you can, can get can your mili- your you can get your artillery in place. And then you bombard where they are. You yeah, don't, infantrymen can actually move up, and they can take exactly. care of it right then. So. Exactly. Yeah. No, and that's short. That's a very short uh, tactical. A little bit of a little uh, yeah. military theory kind of creeped up on me, like, <laughs> yeah, no, like Indian underwear. I'm with you. That's what my dad says. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you what, man. I've become more and more fascinated with that kind of tactical theory and stuff like that ever since listening to. We were talking about this earlier. Oh, I'm sorry, I had a burp. Ever since listening to Dan Carlin's Hardcore History podcast. Dude, the he goes he drills deep into the tactical advantages that all the sides had and disadvantages and things like that. He drills really deep into the theory of it mm-hmm. in a lot of cases, and it's it's fascinating stuff. I had an officer, uh, he was a brand new lieutenant, and didn't know a damn thing about me, right? So I was always in this awkward place where I wanted to have these conversations with officers, right? But I couldn't because I was an E three E four. Yeah, and then um, for all intents and purposes, a grunt. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, like, yeah. Anyway, uh, but I and I could joke around with the guys, but I could never have those conversations, right? So my peers within my my uh, pay yeah. grade, right? I could talk about poop jokes and yeah. girls, but I couldn't, you know, talk about 
combat theory or you yeah. know, history of war. Blah, the actual blah. interesting things so about the, yeah. military. So like, <laughs> like the army has all these stupid programs where they want you to take these tests, blah, blah, blah. And the Marine Corps is so ancient in how it does things. Like probably the most new thing they, they do like that. They have a thing called the Commandant's Reading List, which has been around for like 200 years. Like the Commandant will prescribe something, some literature for... Like, like required reading kind Not of? Not like a required reading, but like, hey, if you want to be a better Marine or better, you know, yeah, whatever... Read these read books. The, read these books. This is what I've read and it's helped me in this way. Yeah. And so it keeps this knowledge turning. And so it's just... It's really cool how it works. And I actually... That was probably my favorite thing that the chain of command ever did. It's a very cool scene. thing to have. Yeah, it's like, oh, shit, that's what we're reading? That's what we're reading? Yeah. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to be better because of this. We're going to read this. But he, they had us reading this one book called A Letter to Garcia... It was about World War One or the Banana Wars, one of the two, and this guy trying to get a letter to somebody. You know, it was really good for an intro thing. Yeah. But I didn't read a damn thing that was on the enlisted side, other than like what was given to like master sergeants and up. Yeah. Which I was an E three or E four at the time. They're an E seven, E eight. Yeah, yeah. E nine. So the the highest enlisted ranks. Yeah. So I would read what they read because I'm just going to skip over that stuff. Like it was just it was easy reading. But I was reading what officers were reading, and, and they were giving uh, uh, pres- the prescribed reading for field grade officers, which are captains, majors, and lieutenant colonels. Mm-hmm. Um, had Sun Tzu's Art of War. Sorry, this took a long time to get to this point. Anyway, Art of War. So I read it, and he asked me if I was I, reading I dig the story. Keep going. If I was reading anything on the Commandant's reading list, I told him, I was like, oh, I read that Letters Garcia thing on Firewatch one night because I was bored. But, uh, yeah, I read Sun Tzu's Art of War. He's like, why are you reading that? He's like, you don't need to know that. And it's like, why do I not need to know See, that? See, here, that's the, be- that's the biggest problem, Because I'm going to have your job though. one day. Yeah, that's the biggest problem, though, with with that that whole type of – that that kind of thinking. You don't need to be reading that. Well, fuck you. Like, this is a – this is a – this is the kind of thing that I'm interested in and, frankly, good at. You're a, you're a philosopher. Yeah, you know it what is. I mean? it's like, very much this a philosophy. Is, this is the kind of thing that you're interested in and good at. And there's a difference, of course, between the philosophy of war and actively, you know, boots on the ground fighting a war. Like, there's a difference there, of course. Yeah. But the two things overlap such that the most effective militaries have both. Right. And for somebody to say, like, you don't need to be reading that, like, like that somehow that's above your station? Like, fuck right. you. And, and the thing is, so it's for field grade officers. I'm like, why is it not for, like, the lower rank officers? Yeah. The people that are actually going to be implementing this shit. Yeah. They're the ones who need to know it as well. The guys right. who are going to be on the ground telling their, their, not platoon. even, not, not even yeah. talking about, like, platoon level stuff, just squats. The guys that are going to be telling so, yeah. the squads what to do. The sergeant should know the same thing that the lieutenant knows. Exactly. Right? So... And, and another, the funny thing is, though, I was once I was once told by probably the coolest officer I ever I ever knew in the Marines. He was just like he he was enlisted first, so he was like an actual officer. <laughs> the way we saw him, it was cool for a while. It was almost like I because he'd actually gone up. Yeah, he started where everyone else started. Yeah, he and, and he, he left up. he left as a uh, either sergeant or staff sergeant. Um, so he had played the role of platoon sergeant. Yeah, right. So we had two platoon sergeants. He was, he'd, he'd say things like, all right, fuckers, every, you're every swinging dick over here right now. <laughs> and we'd have, like, girls or whatever in the platoon. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm slinging, uh, swinging clit or something. Swinging like clit. <laughs> so he'd say things like that. And, it, and that just made us love this guy more. Like, yeah, we course. all respected our platoon platoon commander way more than the other platoons like theirs because theirs are all like, all right, guys, time to do some training. And he's like, all right, fuckers, we're going to go in the field for two weeks. Bring this. <laughs> if you want chow, bring this. If you want this, blah, blah, blah. You need to have this. And so um, he was always like, yeah, of course you need to read the Art of War. Everybody yeah. needs to read that. 
Uh, you need to do this. So I got to sit down and have. If you're in the military, read the art of fucking war. Why like? would you not? Yeah, <laughs> and it's just it's brilliant that we still use that thousands of years later. Absolutely. Well, I mean, the, the things that never changed, like the the that kind of military philosophy, right? right? That it, it, even the stuff that goes back all the way to Sun Tzu and all that, that stuff's never really changed. Those tactics still work because much of it is psychological. Oh yeah, it's not even it's it, it's not even the physical realities of war. It's not really even about terrain. It's not about where you're fighting or how you're fighting. Those it's about the psychology. Yeah, oh yeah, of war. definitely. Um, I was so I like I loved History Channel when I was a kid because they had documentaries, and now it's like. Uh, now everything's ancient aliens, ancient aliens, and, 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 and pawn shop. <laughs> ancient aliens and pawn shop. I, I know a guy. Let me call. Let me call up my buddy that I know that knows about coins. Whatever. Yeah, I'm gonna call in a buddy. <laughs> call my. I gotta call a buddy who knows about ancient rifles from you know pre-industrial China. That's his only thing. But I've got a buddy who's into that. All right. Um, they had this documentary where they were, they were. Discussing different wars that took place, like they they put Napoleon on the on the uh, playing field, they put uh, the entire Vietnam War and stuff. And yeah, the yeah. Vietnam War was awesome. They were talking about how the Viet Cong won the war. Like they won the they didn't win the war, but they won the war. They won it because I mean, effectively they were fighting it here yeah. in the states more than they were there. Yeah, it was psychological. So if you can get the people that are backing well, more pissed the, off. Absolutely. And, well, there's a turmoil between them. There's a whole there's I don't know if this is apocryphal or not, but there's the story about and I don't know what the ranks were with who these people were, but and I only again, I heard this I heard this story in high school. So I don't know if it's apocryphal and I don't know any of the details, but one uh, high-ranked official on the American side told a high-ranked official for the Viet Cong. He said something like, "You know you never beat us on the battlefield." And the guy from the Viet Cong said, we never had to. Why would we? Yeah. Why would we fight? Why would you fight a war you can't win? Yeah. It, it's 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 a it's a completely different type of warfare. And this is the and everyone says that everyone says Vietnam was a war of attrition. It wasn't. How yeah, can you fight a war of attrition with people that pop up in fucking holes behind? Exactly. You? <laughs> you can't it's do it. Not, it wasn't a war of attrition. It wasn't a war. It was of on land. An It was a war of the mind. So, like, they're killing off our men, right? In droves. What yeah. is it? For every Viet Cong kill, there's, like, 20 U.S. soldiers killed? Something like that. I don't know. It was nuts. Well, I did know... My granddad... My granddad was a, a Marine in, in Vietnam. He was... He did uh, demolitions. And he was a... He armed and disarmed mines, basically. Yeah, not a fun job to have. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, he... Uh, he would tell... He would say that the, v, the, the VC, when there were green boots, they weren't worried... But the tan boots, they were yeah, scared the of. Yeah, the hands the tan boots. Yeah, go look up. Have you ever look up the Battle of Quezon or Da Nang? Yeah, yeah. Those are some big ones in Marine Corps lore. It's like, uh, what is it? Some. All right, so I met some old Vietnam vet in a, at a USO in Missouri. Okay. And he was the coolest guy, man. He was, you know, sitting around, we're drinking, drinking a beer. I'm 19 at the time. Or 18, 18 <laughs> at the time. And he's like, let me buy you a beer or whatever. So I'm sitting with him. They'll probably think he's my dad or whatever. Anyway, we're talking... And uh, some soldiers or whatever came up, and they, we sat with them or whatever, and they were talking about their training, because we all just got out of, like, either boot camp or they got yeah, out of their yeah. school. And they're like, yeah, we use these, uh, we use, like, paintball guns or whatever, and rubber rifles and stuff, some Air Force guys. And I'm like, I slept with my rifle more than I've ever slept with a woman. <laughs> like, I know her name. I know where, to, I know just the right places. You know what I mean? I know where she likes it. Um, and he said, he said, you're shooting fucking paintballs? 
I painted Way City red with fucking blood. <laughs> <laughs> and I just fucking died. Absolutely oh died. My God. It was gold. I painted Way City red. Oh my oh, God. Man. Coolest guy. Coolest guy I've ever met in an airport, for sure. <laughs> I love that shit. But yeah, no, and it's just, I think it just speaks volumes to the difference between the armed forces. Yeah, Marines are ancient, but they're not like primitive, but they're definitely ancient how they do things. Um, I'm sorry, there was somebody in the chat. Orion was in is in the chat right now. Um, Who's Orion? I'm not 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 Orion. Orion. I'm Orion. What you doing on the waters? Um, yeah, he was in the chat, but uh, let's let's jump into the news because we've been. Yeah, he, he he's he's happy we have an in-studio guest. Hi, Ryan. <laughs> so I just, I'm not. I'm I'm ancient as well. I, I might look 46, but I'm much younger. <laughs> all right. Um, first thing I want to cover, and I want to add this to all the shows. I want to be doing this in Dino Files and in Quick. All the shows, both shows. I want to be doing this in Dino Files and in Quick Hits, covering interesting legislation. Okay, so there is a uh, an interesting piece of legislation that has been proposed. That's probably going to be uh, it might be voted on on Monday. That's pretty quick in Congress. Uh, this is House Resolution twenty nine ninety seven. Okay, what's very interesting about this uh, piece of legislation is it's effectively privatizing the FAA. Now the FAA, uh, for those who don't know, it's the organization that uh, it's the Federal Avia- Federal Aviation Administration. This is the organization that basically controls the control towers and stuff like that. This is they their air traffic control and all this other stuff. Rules about plane safety, shit like that. <laughs> he says, "Hey Zach, um, sorry." Yeah, uh, the uh, the FAA covers all that kind of stuff, and they are effectively going to move that power to a single nonprofit if this bill passes. Which I don't know why it wouldn't. They've got nine, They've got twenty backers on this bill. Two of them are Democrats, so I don't know why it wouldn't pass. Right. It, hard Republican support, two Democrats on the bill, so you, I guess you can probably say it's bipartisan, but they're, <laughs> they're going to try. I mean, as bipartisan as Congress That's is right progressive, now. That's uh, pretty progressive point you make there. But they want to move control, all the FAA controls, over to a nonprofit. And it's going to report to, I believe, the secretary of the committee where this this bill comes from. And I'm not sure what that committee is. Yeah, I don't see it here. But, yeah, this is called the uh, 21st Century Air Act. A-I-R-R Act. Very original. Yeah. These guys spend more time thinking about the acronyms they can use than they do the actual fucking legislation. <laughs> acronyms are important. <laughs> They're pretty important. <laughs> but yeah, so that's an interesting piece of legislation that we're probably going to see next week um, on, on the floor. I have a couple thoughts. What are thoughts? Tell me your thoughts. thoughts. Uh, well, I mean, okay, so you're already going to screw with things as the government does. Um, it's well, not. It's privatized, but it's non-profit. That's it's the not, weird thing about it. And it's not even exactly privatized because there's no competition. Right. It's non-competitive. They're basically going to establish a non-profit. <laughs> Is there another instance where this has been done? I'm sure there is. I can't think of one offhand. That's a big one, though. It's one of those things you don't really yeah. think about, but the it's FAA like, is I don't want planes huge. running into each other. Yeah, exactly. 
the FAA is kind of a big deal. And, I mean, there are instances. Uh, have you seen, have you ever looked closely at, like, a wall wart for your phone or something like that? Have you ever looked closely at the labeling on that? Okay. There's a label on those kinds of things, and I believe it's the... I'm not sure what it stands for. Uh, I'm getting there. I'm trying to fill time. UL, UL. I cannot remember what it stands for. God damn it. Um, anyway, yeah, that label that's on all the electronic stuff, that, that UL label, it's in a circle. That is an independent company. Okay. And they, it, it's kind of like the MPAA for movies. They certify electronics for safety. Okay. Not government run, not government established. They are an independent organization. Okay. So this kind of thing can be done. It's a little different than this, though. Yes. This is a different level of safety. I had to be the one to be like, oh, safety reasons, but I, I, I want the, I want the best nonprofit people yes. in charge of this. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um. It'd be well, cool. Are they just going to like drop it off? So it's like, all right, you have the FAA. There's, if you're working in the FAA, now you work for this nonprofit. Uh, that's possible? I don't know for sure. I know there's got to be a transition of all the facilities, all the R&D, all that stuff is going to go to this nonprofit. What is Ryan saying? He's the best of time. <laughs> yeah, I fill time with... <laughs> but, um, yeah, the, the, so they're basically going to move all the duties of the FAA over to this nonprofit. Okay. If this passes. And, I don't, again, I don't know why it wouldn't. It, it's got 20 people on the bill. Two of them are Democrats. I, I don't know why it wouldn't pass. So that's, that's the interesting piece of legislation for today. Let's talk about some news. I want to burn through this news in about 15 minutes. See if we can do it. Um, I, I can do it. <laughs> I can I do it. I might have a problem. You're right. <laughs> okay, so Sean Spicer has resigned as Trump's press secretary. Scaramucci was appointed White House Communications Director. This was from Zero Hedge. Um, it's official. Moments ago, the much-anticipated departure of the White House press secretary and communications director Sean Spicer took place. When, according to the New York Times, Spicer resigned on Friday morning, telling President Trump, uh, quote, telling President Trump he vehemently disagreed with the appointment of New York financier Anthony Scaramucci as communications director. So, Sean Spicer's gone. No more sweaty Sean. I like sweaty Sean. You like sweaty Sean? Uh, this is my biggest, biggest problem with this. And, and this is my, I'm, I'm very concerned about this issue. Okay? Very concerned about this issue. What is SNL going to have Melissa McCarthy do now? <laughs> well. Well. I don't know. Kathy Griffin's looking for a job. I know she is, right? Oh, shit. No. Was that, did I speak? That was a mistake. I don't know why. I don't know. Who's the Scamucci guy? I don't know. This is the Italians. They're like, just... I know, right? It they run like the government. Yeah. <laughs> hey, yo, Scamucci's in, in the house. All right? You listen to the Don. Well, let's do a quick Google search for this guy. Uh, Anthony Scaramucci, they describe him as a, finance, as a financier. Let's open up his Wikipedia. He's much more attractive than Sean Spicer. Oh, he is... He's been described in several headlines as camera ready. 
I like it. I yeah. <laughs> uh, he's got look at that Italian jawline. Look I at know, that. Right? <laughs> he's in. He's 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 he looks like he'd be a little swarthy. Yeah, he's got the pink tie, little yeah. edgy but not too edgy. It's like yeah, pink's yeah. for men, but I'm not about that. <laughs> he's an American entrepreneur, financier, political figure, and author. He's an author. What's he written? Um, Out of <laughs> let's see. After graduating from law school, Scaramucci began his career at Goldman Sachs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the minute you said that, I was like, "Yeah, let's move on." (laughs) (laughs) Goldman Sachs. What's going to happen to the Sean Spicer Twitter account? I don't know what's going to happen to the Twitter account. I actually, here's what's interesting. There's a lot of stories that have been talking about. He's not going away. He's he's at this point. He's going to go somewhere big, like maybe even Fox News. Like he's he's going to go somewhere, and that wouldn't surprise me at all. Maybe a sweatshop. A sweatshop. <laughs> sorry, sorry, that too soon. Oh, that was Sean. good. No, sorry. No, that was good. I like that. Um, yeah, apparently Old Spice. I was what I heard. Old, he's gonna be working for Old Spice. Old Spice. <laughs> Doing commercials. So. Yes. Um, okay. Now again, news. We gotta blow through news. Blow, blow through the headlines. Okay. <laughs> so a Haiti official, an official from Haiti, who was involved during all the relief for the earthquake and all that stuff. Um, the uh, you know the Clinton Foundation did a did a big they 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 did so much for Haiti a lot they did so much for Haiti after all that so much money went to the rich and powerful in Haiti all from the Clintons and they, they all they helped such the people good... out so much with that money I it's, know bless you Clinton there's there's there is so much that they had to invest in like cleaning the streets of corpses from dysentery. You have your you have your Mother Teresa's, but then but then you have your Clintons. <laughs> That's exactly right. If you're talking about the justification of death for children, um. <laughs> two things I've noticed about the article so far that have nothing to do with the actual news itself. What's Why that? does Hillary Clinton always look like she has to poop? And secondly, Klaus Ebervine? Yeah, I wonder where his family's from. Uh, well, you know Haiti. There are no Haitians. Right. You know, Haiti's all settled by... Yeah, but just, that's quite the German, like, Jewish-German name. Yeah, I know. Epifine. No, it's just German. No. Uh, a former Haitian government official who was expected to expose the extent of the Clinton Foundation corruption and malpractice next week has been found dead in Miami. He was 50. He suicided himself, bruh. Yeah, it happens all the time. They got a lot of friends. Yeah. That just happened to come There's a lot of people that come out and say, I'm going to talk about everything, like how the Clintons lied and stole money. I'm going to talk about the Clinton Foundation being a corrupt organization. And they just get so depressed, they shoot themselves in the head. It's a, if you're wanting to go, it's mm-hmm. a good way to, to, to make sure like you don't have to do it. It's kind of like oh, people, yeah, the best, people are I, like, I have a gun in front of cops. Yeah, like, yeah same thing. The, the most effective method, I think, of committing suicide. Everybody talks about guns and, you know, you're going to drown yourself. You're going to take a bunch of pills. Nah. Have dirt on the Clintons. <laughs> That's the most effective method for suicide. Um, this dude, uh, th- this story came out a week ago. This was, this is, this is an older story. Fake news. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> yeah, fake news. Um, yeah, this is an older story, but I did want to talk about it because, you know, it, it seems, and there's a history of this, you can kind of look it up, you know, if you want to. There's a history of people who have dirt on the Clintons just getting super depressed. It happens. Yeah. It happens to me. I've died at the hands of Clintons. <laughs> I, don't I don't know how it's going. 
Yeah. So I just so, feel like so I see Ryan's chat in the right hand corner. I just feel like he's judging me right now <laughs> like the whole time. It's like Big Brother. I don't even know you, Ryan. Just stop looking at me. <laughs> Ryan's a good buddy. You would actually like him. Yeah, that's what you said. You you would actually like him. Quite we should good. meet up sometime, Ryan. Uh, yeah, you definitely should. He, he's in Seattle now. Then we definitely should because it's hot as shit here right now. I know, I know, and also weed. Um, so. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I think I'm going to be taking a trip to Colorado soon. So, um... <laughs> yeah, so this dude had some dirt on the Clintons. He committed suicide, and that's really all there is to the story. Like, uh, interestingly enough, um, according to Evervine, the a paltry 0.6% of donations granted by international donors to the Clinton Foundation with the express purpose of directly assisting Haitians actually ended up in the hands of the Haitian organizations. A further 9.6% ended up with the Haitian government. The remaining 89.8% or $5.4 billion was funneled to non-Haitian organizations. Nice. So yeah. Uh, oh, shit. I'm sorry. I just read that paragraph. Uh, if I die, it was the Clintons. Moving on. <clears throat> so, we've been giving Syrian rebels a lot of guns. Lots of guns. All the guns. Pew, pew. Pew, pew. <laughs> From the fifth column on July 22nd. Is that today? That is today. U.S. Special Ops. <clears throat> U.S. Special Ops confirmed CIA halting support for Syrian rebels. That's it's a lot better than ending two wars that we could have easily won, uh, because we don't want to be at war anymore. And um, I'll tell yeah. you what, I, I really do believe that the United States, the people, are experiencing terrible war fatigue. I oh, think. Yeah. I think the the. I think just the populace generally is under such. There are people who have been born, people who have reached the age, 16-year-old kids, who have never lived in a country at peace. It's nuts. It's crazy. Yeah. It's the longest war. Longest we've it is. War. It's the longest war in history. It's terrifying. And they're, well, not the longest war in history. 100 years of war. Just saying. 100 um, years of war. In American they, history. they only fought every summer. It's not like, I mean, if you add up all the actual time spent fighting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's it's a uh, it's awful, it's awful, and, and people there are people again people who are 16 years old who have never lived in a country that wasn't at war. It's it's awful. Um, the CIA's covert program to arm. This is from the fifth column. The CIA's covert program to arm and train rebels to fight Assad's government was the primary means by which the United States opposed the Syrian president. As such, many have labeled the rumored end of the program and an, an admission by the Trump White House that regime change in Syria is no longer feasible. Of course it's fucking not. Now here's the thing. This is being spun as Trump is doing what Putin wants by stopping the Syrian rebels' support. Uh, this is what we need. Yeah. It's very clear what's what we need. It, here's, I don't give a shit what Putin wants. Every time we arm rebel groups like this, we end up getting shot with the same guns a year and a half later. Yeah. This, this isn't... I mean... The, the best example of this is the fucking Taliban. Mm-hmm. We armed the Mujahideen in the 80s, they turned into the Taliban, and now we're fighting them. I've got friends, too, that are just they're tired of war, that are, have served, like, like, have been to war. Like, they went to war. Yeah. Um, and they fought, in the, battle, yeah, fought in the Battle of Marja, right? Yeah. Who, who controls Marja now? You know what I mean? Yeah. And so they're looking at it as like the shit stink. Wait a minute, for the audience, who does control Marja now? They do. <laughs> yeah. uh, the, uh, Absolutely. <laughs> I think we actually, I think we took it back, but still, it's like, we're Americans, why that? Was a famous quote, there's a famous quote from World War II, this, uh, 
I guess some, some people that are just rolling up in the war zone in in France or something. And yeah, comes across this guy in a, that's digging a foxhole, digging a fighting hole, and he's like, "Who are you with?" And he's like, "Oh, we're with uh, blah blah blah." He says, "Well, you can park right behind me. I'm with the 82nd Airborne." And we're not letting these bastards any further this way. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's the American. That's how yeah. we do things. Like the American military used to be, used man. to be such a formidable thing. And here's the thing: it's not even the, the fault of the military. The military's this great. is this is all deep state shit. This is all CIA. This is all people like John McCain, uh, who has brain cancer. Uh, now and I'm not going to talk about that good or bad because I don't want to disparage the cancer um, John McCain and people like that all fighting wars to enrich themselves or not fighting wars, sending young people to fight wars to I mean, enrich themselves old, it's never the old men never the men who yep. start the war that fight it Yep. Yeah, and, and on top of that you have uh, the, the, the what is it? Um, popularization of American generals right so we look at generals like these sorts of gods among men, right? And yeah, you got your General Mattis's who fucking deserve it. Fucking right? Mad Dog is a... You, he deserves it. It's a very fitting name. What, what, keeps you up, <laughs> what keeps you up at night? And I quote, nothing, I keep others up at night. <laughs> you know, that's the man. That's the thing, if you want a military so. leader, Mattis is the one you He's want. <laughs> no, we were trying to, you know, when I was in the Marines, there was huge campaigns to try to get him to run for president and stuff. It's crazy. Um... Patron saint of chaos. That's the biggest problem. <laughs> My biggest issue with Mad Dog Mattis as president is that South Korea would be decimated because North Korea would be decimated. Yeah. <laughs> like there, are, there are fairly large geopolitical problems with a guy like Mattis as commander in chief. <laughs> At the same time, the man is absolutely brilliant. Very he well is. read. He's an incredible slow talking guy from the south. He's a great guy. Yes. He really is. And that's why Marines love him. Very he smart. would never send somebody into harm's way where he would not go. Yeah, and but he's very fitting to the role of a military leader. I don't see him doing very good as a civilian leader. No, that's not who he is. He's been serving since the very end of Vietnam. Exactly. He, he, I was actually at a, uh, an event where he spoke, and he was talking about how um, when he was, a, he was just a brand new, fresh boot lieutenant, second lieutenant. Um, how they toured him through the killing fields in Cambodia. Oh just his, ex- his experiences seeing that, he's like, that formed me as an officer and as a man. Are you saying that he went on holiday in Cambodia? Holiday in Cambodia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, goodness. So we're finally going to stop arming Syrian rebels, which is probably good. Um, Sorry. Wow, we are moving fast. And actually, it's my fault that we're slowing down. No, it's okay. I, I love the... You have experience that I don't have, just by right of having been... In the military and around other military people, there's there's that's a massive blind spot. And as a Boy Scout, for me, and as a Boy Scout, exactly. More importantly, as a Boy Scout, I've never done that either. <laughs> China's Zhejiang residents are being forced to install surveillance apps on mobile phones. This is also from the fifth column. Uh, residents of Zhejiang, the ethnic minority region of western China, are being forced to install spyware on their mobile phones. On July 10th, mobile phone users in the Tanshan district of Urmqi, Urmzi, I don't know, I forgot how Qs are pronounced. Um, uh, city, Ks, Ks. Yeah, okay. Urmqi, Urmqi, city, received a, a mobile phone notification with a distinct government instructing them to, uh, from the district, I'm sorry, it's so far away, from the district government instructing them to install a surveillance application. Next POTUS is going to be Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> Please God no. He's he well he is touring the Midwest. He might come back knowing a little more about humanity. 
Some of the best memes. Artistic Mark- fuck. <laughs> I know, right? Mark Zuckerberg's going around the Midwest, and there's some pictures of him, like, hanging out with ranchers and looking at cattle. He's just out of place. I know. Yeah. And some of the best memes have come from it, where it's like, oh, the humans eat beef. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, anyway, uh, district government instructed him to install surveillance application called Zhang Wang. <laughs> I love Chinese. Zhang Wang. Holy shit. <laughs> or, or web cleansing. That's a scare quotes. The message said the app was intended to prevent, quote, prevent them from accessing terrorist information. So, China spying on their own citizens. Anyone surprised? Not in, not in communist China. Crickets from the audience. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody surprised. Uh, so, yeah, that's happening. Uh, if you don't think, uh, here's the thing. It's going to happen here. I shit you not. Yeah. Well, you know, um, honestly, I think if Republicans maintain uh, maintain their, their uh, presence in government at this point, I think it'll be fine. Yeah. It's honestly, it's when you get the progressives, when you get Democrats in office, this kind of shit happens. It, yeah. Just and saying it, progressives a, are the ones, or the Republicans are the ones who freed the slaves. They're, <laughs> the ones, they're the ones who did all this shit, right? They're, they're the progressives. The biggest issue I have, and I don't, I don't. Republicans, Democrats, I don't even give a shit. They're all politicians to me. But the uh, the largest issue that I have is that there's a very clear division between Republicans and Democrats, on, and they're, they're the same on two different sides of the spectrum. They are – Republicans are moral fascists, and Democrats – I'm talking about typically party-line shit. Yeah. Um, not people who identify as Republican or Democrat, because there's a lot of politically homeless people who just go Republican or Democrat. Mm-hmm. I'm talking more about, like, the party-line people. Yeah, who are about that. Yeah, exactly. That's the kids. The Republicans are more of your moral fascists. Uh, move fast and break things 2020. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, the Republicans The Republicans are uh, moral fascists and the new Democrats are, are I want to say economic fascists, but that's just communism. <laughs> I mean, basically. Yeah. So you've got, I mean, they're the same on two different sides of the spectrum. It's fascinating. Republicans, though, they tend to be more moderate because, I mean, yeah, you have your Tea Parties, right, Tea Party people, and then you have your, uh, what, what are they called, uh, uh, Antifa on the left. Your Antifa, yeah. And so... I, I think you have a lot of moderate Republicans. I think you have a lot of moderate Democrats. I think the problem with moderate Democrats is that they're ignored by their party. Oh, yeah. Um, moderate, moderate Republicans tend to get more play, at least that I can see. Moderate Republicans tend to get more play than moderate Democrats. Well, yeah. How do you think Donald Trump got elected? Yeah. The it, party actually came together. That's exactly right. And people were done with things. And they're not anymore, though. <laughs> Republicans, man, there's a hard split in the Republican Party over Trump. Um, okay, moving on. Oregon poised to decriminalize meth, cocaine, and heroin. Good thing? That's yeah, a great thing. Good thing. Moving actually, tell you what, <laughs> it could be, it could be a better thing, though. Rather than decriminalize it, why was it a crime in the first place? Let's try to figure this out. Let's get to the root problem of it, and then once we come to the conclusion that we all know is government, then we can move on. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, decriminalize meth, cocaine, and... Yes, exactly. And that's the thing. You want to give... And, and people who are dependent on these kinds of hard drugs, uh, the first first issue being that a lot of people move specifically to heroin after their prescription for pain medication runs out. Right. Uh, there's, a, there's a massive contingent of heroin users who are only using heroin because they're hooked on... Opiates that were prescribed by a Yeah, your oxys, your, you know, whatever. So, uh, th- there's, we need to address that problem. But uh, there's also the issue where, uh, 
<laughs> Torviz, hi, how you doing? Um, Torviz in the chat. I thought I was gonna miss it. Nope, nope, you're here. Um, Hello. The uh, I'm sorry. That's a uh, that's uh, Sloan and I are um, Sloan and I Cora and I our friend Sloan. That's uh, her fiance. Oh, hi. I've never met you. Went to high school with Sloan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that no Sloan? Um. So yeah, there's a uh, what was I gonna say? I was saying something. About drugs. Uh, people are using... Uh, people drugs. using, yeah, they go from that, so we need to address that problem. But also, the people who are hooked on these kinds of substances don't need jail, they need help. Oh, and, yeah, they need actual help. Yeah, and and so I think if you're going to go... Um, because meth literally kills you. Yes, meth does literally kill you, and so does heroin, and so does cocaine, but so does alcohol, and so do all these other substances that people people who are hooked on these things, I mean, they they these people don't need prison they don't need jail that what help this comes about yeah exactly if if your if your goal is first of all i have a big problem with government thinking they can regulate your body chemistry well here yeah think about that that's fucked up in itself you say meth kills people well yeah meth kills people so does drinking drano and so does driving yeah. a car and so and do so guns do, i mean if you want to start so, making that argument so do plenty of the things that we we use and do on a day-to-day basis yeah. actually Kill us. Yeah, uh, that's the thing. That's my biggest or issue. Or have the potential to kill. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Because you have to decriminalizing these things. You're not selling it on the corner. Decriminalizing just doesn't make it. Decriminalizing just makes it to where it's not illegal to have anymore. Um, and in fact, if they're decriminalizing, it's probably still illegal to sell. Yeah. Uh, it's just not illegal to have. And I think that's the best thing you can do for these people because they don't. What they need is they need rehab. They need clinics. They need they need places where they can go if they want to kick it, where they can go kick it. If they don't want to kick it, you're not going to keep it out of their hands anyway. Right. If somebody wants coke, they're going to get coke. Exactly. If somebody wants heroin, they're going to get heroin. Same thing with meth. If they if they want to if they want to kick it, we need to be there to help them kick it. If they don't want to kick it, there's nothing we can do anyway. I mean, they're just going to get it illegally. Yeah. And that's how you got little kids dying in Nicaragua. And yeah, that's... exactly. Well, that's how you have people overdosing on heroin now because it's laced with fentanyl. What's fentanyl? Fentanyl is okay. Fentanyl is a big thing right now. It's a uh, they're using fentanyl. It's a it's a it's a very strong opioid. They're using it to lace heroin. And uh, <laughs> I know, I know, but I'm just saying that's the he said, dude, guns. That's a low blow. I know you love guns, Torvis, but that's my point. Is that all of these things can be used for harm, and I mean, the the biggest problem that I see. I mean, you can use guns for harm, and drugs are typically used to harm oneself. And I don't think harming oneself should be illegal. Um, that's all I'm saying is that the if, if the logic is that people die because of a thing, and thus that thing should be illegal. Then nobody should be driving. Nobody should own guns. Nobody should have all of that. I mean, that's uh, uh, Travis. Yes, Travis. I'm a big gun nut too. I yeah, US, no, both US, of us no, love yeah. love firearms. I was a USMC uh, motor transport driver, right? So I drove trucks, but I was also a machine gunner. Yeah, like, trust me, I like to shoot big shit. Yeah, no, no, we're not making an argument against guns. Yeah, and no way. <laughs> yeah, we're just making the argument for uh, for freedom and yeah. and for you know, if, if frankly, if you want to fuck up your teeth and inject shit you shouldn't be into your veins, who am I to tell you no? Right, and if anything, these kind of people die off faster. That's yeah, my that's, no, 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 that's exactly right, though. That that is an absolute point. And actually, there was that story about that sheriff who said that we're going to stop resuscitating OD victims. Yeah, 
Right. And I, I'm, I am of the mind. Now, look, I, I have a, I have a certain view of police that, that I mean, you know. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of split on that point, where it's like, no, 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 you're a fucking cop, save the person's life. At the same time, I'm like. Yeah, they're ODing. I mean, if you weren't there, they'd be dead anyway. Like, what's the... I mean, you know, so I'm, I'm kind of torn on that. But... It's a trolley problem. I definitely... It is very much a trolley problem. But I definitely see the logic. Yes, you can you protect, can protect yourself, with yourself with meth. Yes, oh, yeah. Have you ever done meth? <laughs> Look at my teeth. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you have no. beautiful teeth. You cannot protect no, yourself. No, you're correct. You cannot protect yourself with meth. But if you're... If you're making the argument then that the use of the item is personal... Then meth falls under that umbrella as well. Um, I don't personally like to make the self-defense argument for guns because I think it's a weak argument. I, well, I, I think, just think you should be able to have fucking. Yeah, guns. yeah, exactly. I prefer to make the uh, if you have to make an argument from the Constitution, I prefer to make the tyrannical government argument. And if you have to make any other argument for being able to own guns, you just make the fact that I'm a fucking human being. Right? That you use the non-aggression principle. Yeah, to exactly. Thing, which is funny. A lot of philosoph- like my philosophy professors, always thought that was ridiculous, and I was like, "There's a lot of people that reject the NAP outright, and I just think it's because they don't know what it is." Yep. Um, but that's the thing. Is you're you're correct. You cannot protect yourself with meth. That is true. But as soon unless as you, you start have, talking about, unless you have a lot of it, and you and you sell it. And then and you sell it to your enemies. You sell it to your, you sell it to your enemies, and then with the money you made, purchase a bunch of bodyguards. Yeah, that I guess would be kind of. Maybe, I guess you could long, long shot money. here, Travis. <laughs> long way to go for that. No, you're you're absolutely correct. You can't protect yourself from that. But as soon as you start making the self protection argument, you're making an argument for uh, you're making an argument for use for your own purposes. Using a thing the way that you want to use it. And whether that's protection, sport shooting, shooting clay pigeons, whatever the fuck, you're making the argument that you want to use it for whatever reason that you personally want to use it. Meth doesn't drive you to work. Meth doesn't unclog drains. Meth won't get you a PhD. That's absolutely right. You're, you're totally correct. And I have family who have been meth addicts. I have family. I really do. No, I, I've got, allow me that. What is it? Meth doesn't drive you to work. <laughs> Stop it. Stop it! He's a friend. He's a good guy. I'm, I'm, yeah. <laughs> um, no, he's uh, all it does is harm you. You're right. You are absolutely right. You're totally 100 percent correct. All meth does is hurt you. Right. You're right. I might have something for you for this Travis guy. Um, okay. Okay. So your car, right? What do you use it? You're for? a car. <laughs> You say that you're a car. No, uh, you just said you're a car. No. So you have a car. You're a car. You're an automobile. You are um, an actual car. So the purpose of our car is to get places to get sure. from point A to point B. Oh, the purpose of meth is to get high. Right. So both yeah. of them have a purpose. But at the same time, you have a risk in driving a car, right? Yeah. A very high chance. Not very high, but you do have a child, especially here in Lubbock. Uh, you have a, <laughs> you have a you have a high chance of of dying <laughs> on the road. Do you not? Yeah, and it's to sell, well, serve it's your a, own it's purpose. It's a non-zero chance, right? And I think that's really the only statistic that matters. It's a non-zero chance, right? Right. So, and, and this is the thing that, and I, I absolutely, you're you're totally correct. Uh, meth doesn't drive you to work. It doesn't unclog drains. It won't get you a PhD. You're you're totally right. It won't do any of that, but it will get you high. And if you're making a value judgment about what the value of getting high is. Um, because as soon as you start doing that, you're getting into subjective values. You're getting into, um, it's, 
you're, you're making the claim that – you're making a, a truth claim that getting high is not a valuable purpose. It's also po- – it's a positive claim as well. That's exactly right. Yeah. And, and, I, and I think that – I don't think you can logically make those claims without allowing other subjective claims to leak in. Like, well, having a gun is less important than having a safe society. Like the, as soon as you start to let those subjective claims leak into uh, the kind of philosophies that you have regarding these things, I, I really think that it kind of clouds everything else. And if somebody values getting high, you can't say that's not valuable because it is to them. Right. That 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 makes it. I mean, frankly, it becomes objectively valuable once someone values it. I mean, right. that's a free market. Something becomes objectively valuable once somebody values it. So that we don't like go on and on forever, Travis. Yes, I do have somebody you should read. Her name is Christine Korsgaard. Um, she's a oh Korsgaard. Korsgaard is great. I have read some Korsgaard. She yes. uh, she's a brilliant philosopher from Harvard. Um, she uh, I don't know what the book's called. I have to look. I'd have to look it up. But um, you should go on uh, Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy and type in her name or whatever and look up. Uh, her morality principles and so yes. she comes up with this deontological argument for like why we shouldn't uh, why, why we should acknowledge the things that those other people find dear in the same way that we find things dear right of course so if he has the things that he finds important to him and I have the things that I have important to me computers very important to me neither one and, and I recognize the fact that what he finds important to him yeah, yeah. is just as important as the things that I find important to myself I'm not willing to aggress against him. And it is a it is a morally relativistic argument to a, to a, to a point because if you find something immoral and someone else values it, finding it, it is, and I used to have a very hard time with this. When I, I used to be very much a staunch moralist, and I still am to a degree, but it just points me in a different direction now. I am too. My fiance says it's autistic tendencies. <laughs> I probably have some of the same thing, <laughs> but. <laughs> Korsgaard, K-O-R-S-G-A-A-R-D. Yeah. And then Christine is C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-E. Let's pour a glass of this. I want to I want to bring an end to the drug discussion. Because we could go on forever about this. And let's pour some of this uh, Scottish ale out right here. Bring pour some of this. It's a Scottish ale. Tell me a little bit about your heritage, Zach. I am actually it's funny. I just got my DNA test results back. Twenty three me or something like that? What? Never mind, continue. Anyway. <laughs> How much did you Yeah, you got less than I did. Yeah. This is a big bottle. It is a big bottle. That's because the Scots know what they're doing. Yes they do. Oh sources. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sources of normativity. Wow. A fan? Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Course I had no idea, Travis. We would get along just fine. Yeah, Source That is wonderful, Torvis. Torvis Games, everybody. Go check out the Torvis Games channel. If you don't uh, if you don't have it, I believe... I might just have it on Kindle. But if I have it, I don't even know you, dude, but you are welcome to it. It's, uh, yes. it's a great read. It was definitely my favorite read uh, in my ethics classes. Yeah. Um, so my heritage is I got my DNA test results back from uh, Ancestry.com. Yes, yes. And so sent in a little saliva test. Um, it was like a free thing, so I was not about to pay money oh, for that. That is buttery smooth, bro. Is it? Yeah, that's just Scott. People think the Irish drink? The <laughs> Scots will put you on your ass. <laughs> you drink a Scots and you're not going to wake up the next day. I love having people in the chat. This By the way, I don't, want to, I don't want to interrupt you, but... Having people in the fucking chat is so wonderful. Oh yeah, my it's cool God. to see that and like be able to sort of 
Absolutely, and you can address things, and and just like that, the arguments that have been brought up are wonderful arguments, really, really, really good arguments that I I wouldn't have thought to address had they not come up in the chat. Absolutely. Um, So continue. So got my DNA test results back. Yes, and I already knew I was uh, a little bit more than fifty percent Scottish. He has her PDF online. Online, online, lying. On on lying. Yes. Okay, I'll have to read it. I don't think I've ever. Have you not read it? I might, I might have for uh, medical ethics. I have not either. I, I don't know. I, I will have to read that as well. Ethical. I, that's one. Here. That's one place that I'm a little bit. That's kind of a blind spot for me is ethical philosophy. Like I went as far as deontology and Kant and the Kingdom of Ends, and I was like, that's where I am, and I kind of quit. Yeah, no, it's because <laughs> a lot of people think utilitarians are just kind of retarded, <laughs> like. Just basic, uh, what is it? Uh, it's been a while since I took that intro class. I think it's just act utilitarianism. Is yeah. like, uh, whatever, it's pretty much the greatest happiness principle, whatever brings about the best consequences. Yes, 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 yes. Um, but once you get into it and you start reading some people, like we read read two different authors and I was like, shit. And then he, we started reading Course Card and I was like, no, oh, I'm a deontologist. Then we started reading another utilitarian. I'm like, cheers, Torvis. <laughs> I'm, an, I'm another utilitarian. You know, now I'm a utilitarian. And then we finally got to virtue ethics and I was like, all right, both these guys are wrong. I'm yeah. a virtue ethics. Yeah, <laughs> virtue ethics, exactly. Okay, so you got your ancestry back. Yeah. Oh, I, actually, if you're doing any ethics or whatever, I got a, uh, when I was, I studied philosophy in English, I got a cer- uh, certificate of ethics. So, like, I took a certain amount of ethics courses that actually... So, you're, like, a certified ethicist? No. God, no. You have to, like, get... <laughs> you have to, like, actually get, get your... P- Some you can get your master's and do it, but uh, most people, you have to have a PhD. Um, but anyway, what are they saying? <laughs> I drink Dean under the table mostly by being able to get way drunker than him. Yes. Yes, you are capable of that, Ryan. That is true. <laughs> I don't think I've ever gotten drunk with Dean. Yeah, Torvis does say that, that he will drink under the table if he doesn't have to work the next day. Torvis, we should drink. We should drink on a Friday. <laughs> um, um, as ancestry, though, uh, so yeah, a little bit more than fifty percent Scottish, uh, a little bit of Welsh thrown in there. I knew that. Yeah. And it turns out I'm actually like thirty-eight percent Norwegian. I did not know that. I we I pretty much I knew for a fact we were Scottish. Like yes, our family, that's been a given. Our Scottish family crest and everything. Yeah, like yeah. That, was, that was always a big thing for it's me. It's a big like, part of like heritage. Yeah. Like, study in your family. I was always really proud of that when I was a kid. I was like, oh, we're Scottish. Yeah, we're from one of two countries. You wore a fucking kilt to school. Yeah, I did wear a kilt to school. I loved it, by the way. Thank you, and I love you, by the way. Didn't you kill a rabbit for the thing? Yes, I did. I killed my own <laughs> rabbit to make my own sporin. Because that's what men do. Wait, what's the thing on the front called? A sporin. A sporin. Yeah, it's like a little. It's pretty dope. You don't have to have... There's no pockets on a kilt, right? Yeah, yeah. And I don't know. You could so you have a fanny pack. <laughs> you got like a fanny pack, but I made yeah. it out of a dead animal that I killed. Because <laughs> that's what I do. Um, what is he saying? Link to the right to lie. Oh, he posted in the chat. It's a it's a link to the right to lie. Oh, cool. Like, I'll have to check. Check. Thanks, man, for posting that. I'll have to check that out for Absolutely. sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and then, I'm 11% Spaniard. I'm pretty sure that Welshman and the Spaniard on their way over here... <laughs> You know, did a little number on the boat, and uh, here I am. So, uh, yeah, I thought that was funny. I, I started telling my fiance, like, that's why I'm so spicy all the time. Yes, you got a little bit of Spanish blood in you. Yeah, just so fiery, you know? So. All right, uh, next story from Zero Hedge. White House closing down a war crimes office, parentheses, after being accused of war crimes. <laughs> Whoever wrote this, thank you for... Well, awesome. everything on Zero Hedge is written by Tyler Durden. Tyler but, Durden. Um, 
Sorry to burp. Uh, Secretary of State Rex Tillerson is reportedly closing a decades-old office in the State Department that has helped pursue justice for victims of war crimes. The Office of Global Criminal Justice advises the Secretary of State on issues surrounding war crimes and genocide. (laughs) It was established by Bill Clinton's Secretary of State, Madeleine Albright, a woman who... I have hiccups now. Can you read the rest of that? Uh, A woman who barely batted an eyelid while overseeing the deaths of 500,000 Iraqi children. You want to keep going? According to Newsweek, the office has supported criminal courts in Rwanda, former Yugoslavia, Cambodia, and the Central African Republic. This alone should give one uh, give one an idea of the office's intentions and prerogatives. It's often concerned with punishing African nations, as the International Criminal Court, or the ICC, is often accused of doing, as well as America's adversaries, but also tends to ignore the actions of the United States and its allies. Okay, so, uh, yeah, uh, they... That being said, the timing of the office's closure is somewhat suspect. Amnesty International just released from Amnesty International. That's a uh, USAID funds Amnesty International a little bit, and What's USAID? USAID is an organization that is funded by the CIA. Oh, so they must be legit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they just released a report that heavily implicates the United States in a number of criminal acts in Mosul. Big surprise there. A credible Kurdish intelligence source also just revealed documents in The Independent that show the conflict in Mosul may have resulted in over 40,000 civilian deaths in a nine-month period. No one doubts ISIS had a hand in civilian casualties, but we also know from a number of sources that the very least American bombs alone may have likely killed four, wow, 4,500 civilians in Mosul, with thousands more still buried under the rubble. Whether we like it to admit it or not, the U.S. has killed thousands of civilians in a mere nine-month-long conflict. That's absolutely true, and we talk about this all the fucking time. Shout out to the Kurds, by the way. Oh, right? God, yeah. Jesus, fuck. Those people, they're much like the Jews in that they can't not be shit on. Like, But they will fight to the damn exactly. end. Yeah, they're, they're a formidable people, yeah. seriously. And hopefully, hopefully uh, I don't know how Dean feels about this, but hopefully they have a state soon. I really want a Kurdish state. It'd be, it'd and, be great. The the reason I want to I just want a Kurdish state to just to stop the fucking bullshit with Turkey. Yeah, and, stop the bullshit and with Turkey. All that and shit. I it's just, another ally for the U.S. in the Middle East. I'm just that's saying. That's true. I, I I really do. I am all for a Kurdish state. All for it. I, I I'm all for splitting Iraq up. Yeah. I I really think Iraq needs to be split back up into the three nationalities that it was before fucking World War One. <laughs> Honestly, things in the Middle East were not. I mean, other than the Ottoman Empire, were not as bad. That bad. Really, if you think about it, like, well, about when it. when the Western nations decided it was their prerogative to fuck with the Middle East after World War One, everything went fucking south. Yeah, well, hell, look at the Ottoman Empire. It was one of the yeah. longest lasting empires in the world. Controlled the region. Yeah, controlled not the too region. much infighting. A little bit, not too much. That I've was got the, a book here. Fascinating little book. Uh, what are the What are the people that uh, the nomadic people? Um, in like Saudi Arabia and North Africa called oh, the uh, God, I can't remember. Bedouins. Bedouins. Yes. Oh yeah, their stories. Their stories are brilliant. So if you've never checked them, I should read it. I've got this book here, "The Arabs: A Short History," and what's interesting about this book is this book kind of gives you the history of the Middle East. Of course, the Middle East is a Western colonialist term, but it kind of gives you the history of the Middle East and the Arabic people. Um, but it skips the Ottoman Empire, so it's very. It, they were able to condense down a lot of history, and then if you get another book on the Ottoman Empire. To kind of you go with a this, great history there. then you get pretty much the whole history of of the people in the region. Fascinating, fascinating book, and it's actually fairly large type. It's it's really easy to read. Um, I like this book a lot. 
and it's it gives you a really cool insight into the culture of the peoples you're dealing with in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. Fascinating stuff. I definitely recommend it as a backgrounder for, for all of that. Yeah, I'm sort of going off of that. Um, I'm I'm really fascinated with the French Foreign Legion. Yes. So for a little bit there, I was actually going to move to France. If I did not meet my lovely, wonderful fiance, uh, I was con- really considering moving, just packing all my shit up, moving to France and enlisting in the French Foreign Legion. Just to, I, I honestly, because I missed the Marine Corps so much, mm-hmm. I, I missed the structure a little bit. But more than anything, I just missed the bullshit. Like, yeah. just, you know, hanging out with the guys and uh, shooting big guns and doing all that stuff. Like, it, it, Fuck it, yeah. Things a lot of people kind of feel like were shit. Those are the things you love. But anyway, um, He's talking about that history. If you ever have a chance to read the history of like Algeria and Morocco, and some oh, of those, yeah. especially those French-controlled nations, and them fighting against like the French Foreign Legion, yeah. who was their home was Algeria for like a hundred years or something. Yeah, it's nuts. These people are a formidable people, yeah, and, and deserve a sort of respect in that sense. Yeah, that's exactly right. The only problem is you get it's much like when you take the ingenuity of Germans and mix in Nazism. When you take the, the formidability and, frankly, ingenuity of Arab peoples and you mix in radical Islam, <laughs> same sort of thing happens, it right? becomes a problem, right? And it's just, again, the same thing happened in Germany. When you mix Nazism with the ingenuity and stick to of the German efficient, people. Efficient, efficiency. Efficiency, yeah. exactly. And that's a, it's a cultural generalization, but it's typically true. Yeah, I've never um, met a German who was not on time. That's exactly <laughs> right. Uh, Torvis, I'm glad you like listening to us while you edit. Um, editing is, is quite a thing, and so it's nice to have something going on while you're doing it. Uh, moving on. This Rest- is a good segue into this, too. It is. Restricting women's clothing and freedom in Belgium. Again, from the fifth column, published on July 19th. The European Court of Human Rights has struck another blow to women's autonomy, ruling in favor of bans on full-face veils enacted in 2011 in Belgium. Now, France does this, too. Um, echoing a 2014 ruling in SAS v. France, the court cited the vague idea of living together as justification for the bans. Nowhere does the European Convention on Human Rights state that living together can be adequate grounds for restricting rights. The court accepted the Belgian government's argument that wearing clothing that obstructs the face is incompatible in Belgian society with social communication and, more generally, the establishment of human relations. All right, so why do robbers not wear masks? Or why do, why do robbers wear masks? Why Sorry. do robbers wear masks? Because if you see their face, they got to kill you because you're a witness. Well, there's a thing. They don't want to be known, right? Yeah, they don't yeah, want to yeah. Known. Um, all right, so if your country is getting shit on by uh, radical Islam and getting blown up, I'm mm-hmm. sorry, I'm going to take a right-wing stance on this. If your country is getting fucking blown up by people who wear this, yeah, I mean, you, you tell me, is there a culture? Is there a culture in Western Europe or even Eastern Europe that fully covers the the face? Like, is that part of any religious doctrine or antifa? Other, <laughs> other than other than communists. Yeah, if you can name one, I'd be happy to hear it. No, I'm but, with you. Uh, yeah. Look, I'm not. I don't want to say I'm with you. I understand you. Um, uh, they strap bombs to women and children all the time. I, no, I'm with you. I, so. I totally get that. I I hate Islamism as much as I can hate anything. I, I, frankly, Islamists and Nazis are the same level for me. I I can't stand these people. However. Yes, you want to take that? No, I don't. It's, no, you can go ahead. No, no, no. It's, we're about to hit a break anyway, so I will talk about it. Okay. Now. <laughs> um, so uh, 
What was I going to say? Oh, because it's cold. <laughs> For wearing face coverings. Oh. <laughs> cold Belgian winter. Yeah. Warm up with some scotch. Yeah. <laughs> a Belgian ale. The, um... I, I really... I, I hate Islamism um, as much as I hate Nazism. They're, they're, they're terrible ideologies that kill people and hurt people, and it's bad. Um, however, look, I mean, in the United States, your clothing is protected speech. It is protected expression. That's, I mean, the constitutionalist argument is you can wear whatever you want to wear because that's free expression. Um, and it's been upheld as such by the Supreme Court. Uh, from a anarchist perspective, you know, the kind of staunch libertarian perspective, wear whatever you want because you're a fucking human being and you can put whatever you want to on your body. I totally understand. We have a problem where Europe is ground zero right now for Islamist violence. And as much as we want to talk about 9-11 or whatever, that's 10 years ago. We haven't had a major attack since. 16 years ago. 16 years ago. Isn't that nuts? We're old. 16 years. We're old now. Falling apart over here. Oh, God, it's been 16 years. That's a decade and a half ago. And we haven't had a major attack since. This shit happens in Europe all the fucking time. Well, we haven't had a major attack. We haven't had attacks in Boston. We've had small attacks. Boston bomber. I, I, I use major attack the same way that uh, all the fucking generals that were sitting down being asked about when is a major attack going to happen. They all said six months. And this was like a year after 9-11. But... Um, we haven't had an attack like that, and this shit happens in Europe all the fucking time. So there's, I understand their desire to um, secularize. I really do get it. And frankly, on a personal level, I share it. Secularism is what lead, led to the world we have today, with all the science and medicine and all that other stuff. It's, religion is, is a great thing and, and people can find a lot in religion philosophically and stuff like that but when you start building states on it it's a problem <laughs> yes when you have any sort of theocracy um, yeah so when you have a state built on it it's a problem but at the same time religion has also sort of if anything founded it gave a great foundation for western civilization which is now falling apart in Europe mm-hmm. um, but do you know who came up with the big bang theory no it was a catholic priest that doesn't surprise me actually it was a catholic priest working at the Vatican working at the <laughs> so. Uh, and who invented uh, like genetic science, right? Gregor Mendel, Lutheran monk. Yeah, you know what I mean. So I'm with you. I'm not saying religion is is bad. I'm not. I'm not making no, no, a blanket no. statement. No, and I, is bad. I understand that. I'm just saying secularism in a society is good. Right. Secularism in a society where where you're not your science, your technology, your medicine isn't held back by. Religious dogma. Or dictated by it. Exactly. It's a good thing. Totally. This is what allows society to move forward. And this is why you've got, I mean, major problems when you have people who are, uh, oh, what's the, no blood transfusions. Oh, Jehovah's Uh, Jehovah's Witnesses. Witnesses. You've got Jehovah's Witnesses uh, whose children die and they end up getting in trouble legally because they wouldn't let their kid take a blood transfusion. Well, that's religion clashing with, with secular technology and science. Right. And, and that's what happens. I, I, I think a secular society is good, whether people want to have a religion or not. And so I totally understand why they would want to try and stay secular. But first of all, regulating people's dress isn't going to make your society secular. It's just going to make your, your people who are more uh, prone to be a violent Islamist, they're just going to be more pissed off. But what happens if you let them continue? 
What happens whenever you allow this sort of in, invasion of Western Europe and Eastern Look, Europe to? I I I totally see what's I see what's happening in Europe right now. I know it's going to happen here. You have I looked at some statistics of sexual assaults based on ethnicity. Um, it's fucking terrifying, dude. Like all the it's Islam Islamism. Right there are there are wonderful Islamist reformers and things like that who are incredible people who want to change it and who risk their lives trying to change Islam. And those people, I tip my hat to them. Um, Islamism as a as a as a force, very bad for Europe. Very bad for Europe. Um, you need another Charles Martel. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> this is like seriously the only thing I kind of side with with the alt right. Um, I, 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 I am a big fan of let's try to maintain Western civilization. Western civilization. Here's the thing that I don't even see that as all right. That, that to I don't me, either. Like, That's Western civilization. Western civilization. You want to talk about Western civilization? You're talking about the sort of the, no, the sun orbits around the earth and the earth is flat. <laughs> somebody, somebody, somebody gets it. <laughs> both of them. Both get of it. them get it. They're both smart people. The um, what am I saying? Uh, what was I saying? Yeah. All oh, right. Right. I don't. I don't even consider those things to be all right. The things that. Um... <laughs> right. It says uh, I prefer Jim Chris' philosophy that the Earth is round, but we're actually on the inside of a shell, and space is at the center. And dinosaurs are hiding from us. That's, That's gold. I love that. Um, the the. Uh... Fuck, what was I saying? <laughs> I keep forgetting. This is a bad thing about a chat. This is where the chat bites back. Um, <laughs> Episode 5, the chat bites back. Episode the chat bites back. Um, what was I saying? Fuck. Islam, it's alt-right. I don't consider alt-right to, to say that Western civilization, the the civilization that follows from you know Greek tradition of, of, of Republic and, and all this other stuff and all this, all this stuff, I don't... I don't have a problem with saying that that civilization is better than others. <laughs> it is. So I, like, yeah, I have no problem. This with is it. the this is the thing, and it, and here's the thing: it's not even. I can't. This is the thing. You say Western civilization is the best, okay? And everyone goes racist. What nobody knows is, what nobody I guess cares about is that Western civilization was invented by olive-skinned Mediterranean folk. <laughs> Scandam Medit- what'd you say? Olive-skinned Mediterranean folk. Scandam Mediterranean folk. So the Vikings. Olive-skinned, olive no, olive-skinned. Olive? All, oh, olive-skinned. Olive-skinned. I think all the scandam Mediterranean folk. <laughs> no. I was like, so the Vikings? No, olive-skinned Mediterranean folk. Okay, and that's just the uh, preserving Western culture. Yeah, I'm preserving Western culture. Sure, it's all buzz-phrasy and stuff like that. And that's the... Western civilization was invented by olive-skinned Mediterranean people. It was invented by Greeks. Yeah, Greeks, and then right. So you probably... and they're not white. Greeks, Greek people are not white people. They're like it's a completely different ethnic track. Like your cousin who got a lot of sun, exactly. With, with bigger, with bigger noses. <laughs> really, like Medi- Mediterranean people and white people are a totally different ethnic track. Right. There's. Okay, so I've got a story for you. What's that? So it has it does have to do with this. So okay. I, I took a class and uh, it was is a fiction course that we were going. We actually, it's really cool. We read Watchmen. I'm sorry. I want to finish. I want to finish my point. I'm oh, sorry. Fine. Thus, it is not racist to want to preserve Western culture because the people that invented Western culture are not fucking white anyway. 
Continue. And that kind of goes with my point. So I asked him, I said, okay, what is the pinnacle of civilization? What is the, the sort of, where do we get everything? Where does all of Western civilization get everything? Yes. And somebody, thank God they were smart enough to realize this, said Greece. And I was like, well, correct. And this is the middle class, right? That Greece. And who, who continued that tradition after the fall of the Roman Empire, right? It kind of dies out, right? Right. Who was like... Oh, you get your dark ages. Who started, who started revamping all that? You have the Italian that. Renaissance. Yeah. And then Great Britain, right? It was the and Italians. So, Another... Olive-skinned Mediterranean folk. You got your Italians. Yeah. So these Italians. And, and and specifically, like British literature, it's just a continuous continuation of yes. of the art and the culture. It was to sort of re- try to revive this in yeah. a new way, right? And so for four hundred years, five hundred years, we looked at France and, and Great Britain as the two places. Like that's how we define what is good right now. Sure. This is like this is where our art comes from. This is where. Our culture, this is where our music, yeah, our literature, yeah. everything comes from. And this is a, a Italy. This is yeah. Yeah. Um, and our my professor was from India, right? Okay. And he was like, Well, do we not give credit to Indian authors? I said, No. I said, but where do they derive the novel from? Yeah, that's exactly right. And he was like, What are you trying to say? It's like, I'm just asking you a question, where did the novel originate? Said, Great Britain. I said, and we're reading an Indian novelist right now, right? Amitav Ghosh. Uh, I think he's yeah. Pakistani, uh, Pakistani Indian. Wonderful author. Southeast he, Asian. Yeah, if you have not read what he, he's read, great science fiction author. Cool anthropology mixed in. Really cool. Yeah. Um, he got all he got all upset with me for saying, for saying I said, so he's an Indian novelist who's pretty much stolen the idea of writing a novel. And definitely science fiction is not an Indian thing. He's putting a new twist on it, which is great. Yeah. It's new ideas. Well, this is right? how art happens. You build things on things. Right. Like, this is, it's wonderful. It's how science happens. It's how culture happens. You just build shit on other shit. Right. So I said, so, so sit there and reject British literature and say, like, we need to stop looking at this. Yeah. Right. It's taking away from the root of what we have now. Yeah. And he got all so looking at philosophy. The, the original philosophies that, of, of things that we value, and I say we value, I'm talking about, I don't like speaking White in, people. Not white people. I don't like speaking in, uh, in, uh, uh, phrases? No, I don't like speaking in communal tones. I don't like talking about we, we. Western civilization, Western society, blah, blah, blah. But there are foundational aspects of Western society that come from nothing other than ancient Greece. Nothing other than Rome. Nothing other... I mean, as much as you want to say, like, look, the numerals that we use are Arabic numerals, right? And the, 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 the breadbasket of, of, of culture and of, and of history is in the Middle East. The crescent. Yeah, the, exactly. The you've got your crescent. crescent. You've got your... You've got all the... You know, you're Babylon. You got, you got all, all of this history, right? That said, <laughs> you don't really have advanced civilizations, advancements in civilizations. There, there are two, two parts of the globe that developed highly advanced civilizations, and that is China and the West as a whole. And, and a by lot the of West, I mean Europe. There's a lot of land in between. China, and actually I read very I didn't read it. I heard it. A very interesting theory that the reason these cultures were able to develop so rapidly in such a short amount of time is because of writing. Oh, yeah. You write your shit down. You have history. You can build on that. Documentation. Knowing where you were born, when someone died, what burned down, what was built. When did this happen? When did that happen? All this written down in places, on scrolls, on skins, 
all of this written down, kept in a thing. The Chinese were testing people for what their best position would be in government in ancient China. They're testing people, giving people actual tests for what their best station in civilization, in society would be. Right? You have China and you have Europe. And they were writing shit down. And that's what caused these cultures to advance. Now, I don't... I'm not saying that other cultures haven't done cool shit. I am saying that your philosophical breadbaskets aren't those places. And the Greeks wrote shit down. Yeah. But they also had a writing system. A lot of these yeah. ancient Middle Eastern cultures did not. Like Babylonians, yes, had a writing system. The, uh, uh, what is it, Samaritans or something like, uh, no, Sumerians. Sumer, Sumerians. Sumerians had a writing system. Sumer. That, <laughs> there you go. Um, but those that don't tend to not last very long. They don't last or they stay nomadic. Yeah, right. They can't build their own history. Yeah. Like these uh, Bedouin people do not have a writing system, no, right? They, and they don't have a history because, because they're nomads. Then it makes sense. Why would they? Tribal nomads. It's just like it's just like American the, Indians. The furthest you can get is animalism and very basic forms of religion. Yeah. Oh, and your, and your forms of religion in ancient cultures are basically, this is a big statue in the middle of the city. It's God. And so the way that you conquered another culture in ancient civilization was you break into their city and you take their god. And you put your god there. Yeah. yeah. You physically take their god. <laughs> like, and that's, that's the kind of history we're talking about. These are the people that we're talking about. And as we go down through the ages, you get your Greeks, you get your Chinese, you get writing systems, you get all this other stuff. And all this stuff builds on itself to the point where you actually get cultures that are able to cultivate history and able to cultivate philosophy and science. What I'm saying is, Western civilization, as a phrase, means nothing more than the value systems that were developed based upon Greek philosophy that we have clung to as a species in this part of the world. That's Western civilization. It's got nothing to do with race. It's got nothing to do with whiteness, especially because, again, fucking Mediterranean people invented this shit. Mm-hmm. Not whites. These kinds of philosophies that we have clung to over time is what makes Western civilization. And I do not agree, and this is, I think, the sticking point for, for most people and for, for people who don't really get it. I do not agree with this um, oh, anthropological relativism, this sort of postmodernist anthropological relativism where every culture is equal and female genital mutilation is okay because it's their tradition. Fuck you. Female genital mutilation is barbaric and I'm going to say that. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, like you, you don't have to value these things. You can study them, but you can't judge them on their own merits when they're meritless. There is no merit to female genital mutilation and there's no merit to the people who defend it. There is a merit to male... Male genital yeah, right. I don't want to get into that argument. But there's, uh, I'm not saying Western civilization is perfect. Ask any pagan ever about replacing gods. That's true. Funny. Take, that's a, true. take a saint's head and put it on this. <laughs> exactly. No, that's that's the only point I'm making. Is I do not agree with this anthropological relativism that's sort of taken over in academia, where you're not allowed to say this thing sucks. Because, oh, it's their culture. Fuck their culture. Fuck stoning women for getting raped. You're preaching to this choir for sure. I mean, that, I mean it's not difficult. It, and, and it's not white supremacy to say it. 
Because it's not white people that invented these notions. On the same day, of the, it's funny because I, I throw feminism into the same boat. But that's a well, feminism tr- has this sort of postmodern no, problem the where the problem with feminism is because it's so big. Let's, okay, yeah. all right, okay. We're gonna, so let's take yeah. the LGBT flag, right? Yeah. We're gonna throw a Q, a plus, an A in there. Yeah. And then uh, an I can M- tell you the full acronym right now. Good for you. I don't fucking. Do you want to know it? You want to hear it? You're gonna hear it. I'm gonna hear it. LGBTQQIAAP. Like we're reinventing the fucking alphabet. I know, right? Um, well, so they're gonna take the little flag and then they're gonna throw two shades. They're gonna throw a feminism brown and, and a social black justice. One. Feminism and social justice has this postmodern problem. They got where... intertwined and it got big. And I'm like, yeah. you not just take an issue. Yeah, like, take an, one issue. Like if you're Black Lives Matter, hey, make that your issue. Make black. that your thing. Fine, but also be smart about it. Don't be Tariq Nasheed. Don't be what? Tariq Nasheed. I don't know what Tariq Nasheed is. He but... is a shit bird on the internet. Uh. A professional victim shitbird on the internet. Yeah. Don't... Don't be that guy. I... To end that case, don't shit where you... Where... where the, in the hand that feeds you. Yeah. Um, well, I think and it's bite, but I'm gonna say shit because I don't agree with it. SJWs and... SJWs and feminists have fallen into this postmodern problem where... And a lot of times... Right now... Okay, I, I want to make this clear. I conflate SJWs and neo-feminism. Yeah, I, the because the two things are effectively the same groups. So... Uh, these these ideals fall into the postmodernist trap where if you say, okay, fine, fine, all cultures are valuable and equal. Fuck it, fuck it. White culture is specifically bad. If there's such a thing as white culture, by the way, there's not. It's a lot of culture <laughs> among a lot of different white people. There's no such thing as white culture. But okay, white people specifically are terrible. Um, I see a little girl over there in Pakistan. She's getting her click cut off. What are you going to say? Social justice warriors and feminists? No, and I, okay, so I took a class, no shit, called Environmental Feminist Social Justice Theory. That was the title of the course. And the only reason I took the course was because I had to have an extra. Yeah, that's what I did when I signed up for it. (laughs) So I had to take the class, right? And actually, out of all the classes. At least it was in the name. Yeah, I, because I signed up for a class called the philosophy of the self. It was all about unpacking your privilege. Well, yeah, well, yeah, it was not what I expected. So at least that was in the name. So everybody else was preaching to me, and I actually, and I quote, called it a cancerous sore on Western civilization. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so my professor didn't like that. I actually got told to be careful because students didn't like it. And I was like, what are they going to do? Fucking kill me? I was like, I know how to, I know how to kill them with this thumb. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this uh, I've been trained to kill humans. You don't want to yeah. fuck with them. Never, what is my favorite quote? Somebody's never fuck with an old man in, in a profession where men die young. <laughs> oh, um, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> that's, super, that's, that's some wisdom for you. Um, so yeah, I actually spoke in class. That's kind of along the, the lines that there's no such thing as an old junkie. Yeah. <laughs> Every black man dies with a black leg. It's just like, oh my god, what? <laughs> my dad came in our room and said that one day. I don't know why, but anyway. They just, they okay. Uh, probably. Yeah. <laughs> one legged Jack. Um, what were you talking about? Oh, you were saying the, the, the Marines? No, 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 before that. Cancer oh, sore. Cancer sore, and you were told to be careful because the students didn't like it. What are they going to do about it? Yeah, I said, what are they going to do about it? But uh, yeah, I, I just remember saying in class, I was like, and, and, uh, it was the same day as the, the Women's March, that's what it is. The big Women's March that happened. Women's March, yeah. Early, early March or late February, I forget. Um, but on that same day, 
um, there were like 30 plus women in Saudi Arabia that were killed by either stoning or hanging or something like that. Yep, 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 yep. On the same day for being the victims of rape. Not for raping people, but yep. for being the victims of rape. For being the victims of rape. And I brought it up, and I got I got slut-shamed in class. Everybody was like, you can't talk about that. I was like, they fucking killed people. For being They're gay. literally murdering people. They're murdering women for being... And so I was like, so you want to preach feminism to me, but you're not willing to look out for your sisters over there in the Middle East. Yeah. I was like... No, it's know. because here's the problem. They've hit they've hit the postmodern wall where they can't yep. they're not allowed it's fascinating. They've they've gotten to the point where it's like feminism, feminism, women's march, women's march, and as soon as you bring up stoning women for being raped, female genital mutilation, killing gays, killing trans people, killing all these people, we throwing them off fucking that. roofs, we can't talk about that because it's Islamophobic. Because I'm a cisgendered white male. That's what Islam I Islam a fucking phobic? If, if, oh, they've hit the wall. Never heard now, that noise before. Where they can't, no, it really bothers me. Because it's so clear from a, from a logical perspective how wrong they are. They've hit the wall where you can't keep fighting for all of these supposedly marginalized groups by the way Islam has theocracies all over the Middle East they're not fucking marginalized but you keep they're only marginalized in the West if you want to make that argument and frankly they're not I went to the University of North Texas these people had the University of North Texas had massive groups of people going to school there from the Middle East they had whole sections of the school they had a there was one section of, of a building where there's the big rug laid out, and they would go there for prayer. Why are they coming to the U.S. if it's such a... Because these people aren't Islamists. Uh, That's what I'm saying. I, I was on... Uh, I was on... No, seriously, no, there's a distinction. I was, on, I was on the campus at UNT in the building during prayer. I wasn't worried for my safety. Because these people are at this university in the United States. I'm, it's fine. You know what I mean? Like, I, I really wasn't worried for myself. I, I could tell just from the context, these people are not Islamists. They are, they're, they're students here to learn. And, and there's a difference. There is a difference between Islamists and Islam, right? Islamism is Nazism. It's, it's radical militancy. Islam is just a religion. You know what I mean? But is, the problem is that Islam is a religion that has a disproportionate uh, amount of militancy. Whereas Christianity, you've got somebody who's going to throw a bomb at an abortion clinic every now and then, right? In a, in a frankly, what is a statistically acceptable level? Not a morally acceptable level, but a statistically acceptable level. You've got, I mean, every group has crazies, right? So it's, it, they're not really a statistically significant portion of the Christian population or the Jewish population or the Buddhist population or the Hindi population. Or whatever you have. Islam is the only religion in the world that has this disproportionate amount of militancy. And it's, it, it's not got anything to do with race. It's, it's part and parcel to the religion itself. And it's because this religion, this is a religion very importantly, I, I think, looking back at history. The thing that calmed Christianity down was the Enlightenment. The Muslim world never had an Enlightenment. Uh, yeah, the age of Islamic Enlightenment. Or is uh, Islamic, uh, was it... Uh, but that wasn't a secular enlightenment. It was not a secular enlightenment, and then it was actually suppressed by radicals. Exactly. You, uh, there was, uh, the Age of Enlightenment in Europe was a very secular movement. 
it was incredibly secular, and it was all about science. It was about art. It was about breaking out of the, the chains of religion. And yeah, religion can exist. That's fine. But also, society has so much more to offer than that. Islam's never experienced that. The Muslim world never went through an age of enlightenment the same way that Christianity did, and Buddhism never needed it, and Hindi I don't think ever needed it either. But you, and those are just I'm just using those four or five religions: Judaism, Christianity. Islam, Buddhism, Buddhism, and Hindi because those are the five major world religions. Those are the religions that everybody belongs to. Um, And all of you Zoroastrians out there, too. Yeah. A lot of you guys. Yeah. (laughs) There are a lot of Zoroastrians. Um, But that's the thing. They never needed that, right? But Christianity did, and it got it. The Age of Enlightenment happened. And there you go. You stop stoning people. You stop putting people on the rack. You stop, you know... Putting people under boulders and asking them how long they've been in the service of the devil. <laughs> Setting professors on fire. Exactly, exactly. All that's because of the Age of Enlightenment. The Muslim world never had this. And, and this isn't, again, there's no race component here. It's all geography and religion. And that's just one of the things that I, I don't... The, uh, the Europe right now is being inundated, inundated not only by Islam, which would be fine... But because there's a disproportionate number of radicalism in Islam, they're being inundated with this radicalism. And and also with, frankly, with cultural opinions that do not gel. If um, Again, sexual assaults. Like, when women are viewed as property in a, in a Middle Eastern theocracy, you can't have somebody come in and then expect them to treat women with respect. It's just not going to happen. Why would they? They got no reason to. Especially because you're not doing anything to disincentivize <laughs> their previously held opinions. Yeah. <laughs> because all you're trying to do is, is build this multicultural society where everybody's got to be equal and everybody's so happy. And it is, you and, can't you know, coexist with people that want to kill you. That's exactly right. And that's, that's the biggest problem, too, with Islamism, is, is these people claim to be suicidal. That's a claim they make. We will die in service of Allah. All right. <laughs> I'll throw some bacon on the grill. Let's get it started. Yeah, well, that's, that's the thing. is It's kind of difficult to beat that enemy because they want to die. And when, you, when, they're die, when they die, they're martyrs. All you got to do is look at Christianity. Look at the saints. These are people that died for their religion, and they are lionized. Honestly, the quickest way we could have won the war in Iraq and Afghanistan is if we started coating all of our bullets in pig's blood and then tell, tell the world. <laughs> you ain't gonna fight someone that's gonna shoot you and send you to hell. If that's your, if that's, if that that's what actually, you're, you know what, that might work. It's, I know. No, it would. <laughs> There's a guy in California that whenever he forges uh, his knives, his Marine Corps vet, whenever he forges these knives, he's, he makes custom made for people. He actually, on the uh, second to last and the last uh, time, he puts it in water to cool it off. He actually soaks it in pig's blood instead of water. Wow. People take him to combat and all stuff all the time. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, he's got a huge hit on him and stuff. Like, There's been a fatwa against him? Uh, from, yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. That's Which, really hey, good. Shout out to that. you, my man. I actually almost bought one of your knives, but I didn't have the money. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah. That, was a, okay. that was a long... Uh, I do want to talk about free speech a little bit. <laughs> give, me your, give me your best Kevin Space announcement card. I don't know if it's a good Kevin Space. It's definitely a good Southern gentleman. But, okay, good to uh, A case for free speech. Imagine a young Isaac Newton, time traveling from 1670s England to teach Harvard undergrads in 2017. After the time jump, Newton, still on an obsessive paranoid personality with Asperger's syndrome, had a bad stutter, unstable moods, 
in episodes of psychotic mania and depression. That is wonderful. That's from an article called The Neurodiversity Case for Free Speech. That was a great... That was. Well, you did a good job. I, no, not the, that, but like... like. Oh, let me get your impression. Do, 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 do. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it was a wonderful... Segway. Segway. They call that, that's what they call it in the business. Segway. Segway. <laughs> Wash your hands! I did. I didn't. I, I, <laughs> I, I did, actually. I, I, You're in a sterile. Um, <laughs> I'm sterile. Actually, I saw a recent study. It might not be. But, um... Wait, what? Yeah. What's not sterile? Pooping? Urine. Oh, I pooped, actually. <laughs> oh, did you really? Yeah, I really... I didn't have to, and then I did. It was one of those kind of things. Don't touch my mic. Um, <laughs> so this is, by the way, when you're done with yours, you can just go ahead and take the rest of this. This is a uh, Alaskan Icy IPA. It's an India Pale Ale. Very good. Very good brew. I love a good IPA. This little uh, pseudo icebox we've got worked out pretty well. Oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I like it. You need an actual draft in here, like. I know. Yeah. I need. I just need kegs. Need I just need a few kegs. Just run stuff. Um, okay, so the neurodiversity, neuro, neuro, no, the neurodiversity case for free speech. Uh, you read the bit about the Isaac Newton dude had Asperger's. He was a little crazy. But now he's the subject of Harvard's speech codes that prohibit any disrespect for the dignity of others. Any violations will get him in trouble with Harvard's Inquisition, the Office, uh, quote, uh, the Office for Inquiry, Diversity, and Inclusion. Newton also wants to publish Philosophe Naturalis, uh, Naturalis Principia Mathematica to explain the laws of motion governing the universe, but his literary agent explains that he can't get a decent book deal until Newton builds his author platform to include at least 20,000 Twitter followers without provoking any backlash for airing his eccentric views on ancient Greek alchemy. Biblical cryptography, fiat currency, Jewish mysticism, and how to predict the exact date of the apocalypse. Newton wouldn't last long as a public intellectual in modern American culture. Sooner or later, he would say offensive things that get reported to Harvard and that get picked up by mainstream media as moral outrage clickbait. His eccentric, ornery awkwardness would lead to swift expulsion from academia, social media, and publishing. Result? On the upside, he drives some traffic through HuffPost, uh, BuzzFeed, and Jezebel. Then people would have fresh controversy to virtue signal about on Facebook. On the downside, we wouldn't have Newton's laws of motion. So, this article is on uh, Quillette.com. Q-U-I-L-L-E-T-T-E. And I definitely, definitely uh, recommend going to this website, reading this article, reading other articles. This, this is... A wonderful, wonderful website. Was it Wittgenstein? Do what? Ah, uh, it was Wittgenstein. Yep, it was. This is a uh, this this article is all about how neurodiversity and different modes of thinking move society forward. And if you if you start to reject people because they don't fit in with the group think, you're halting the progress of society. Now, I want to talk about this so that we can move forward into. Stories about people who don't fall in with group think being silenced. I've never been there. <laughs> You've been on a college campus, sir. You've been there. Oh. That's what that's called. <laughs> I was too, man. I, I got in a lot of trouble. I'm a debtor slave. That's what I am. Man. Yeah, right. I actually got out of college with no loans. That's yeah, me too. It was, it, it's, it's a rare thing, but it's nice. about that. Mm. The, uh... 
What was I going to say? Oh, I was in uh, a class where it was a journalism class. It was a journalism class. It was a PR class. And we were told to bring up an advertisement or, or a piece of PR that sort of uh, is interesting. Just an interesting one. And somebody brought up the, the UN Women uh, set of advertisements where they have Google search results, Google search uh, uh, autocomplete results over their mouths. It's pictures of women and it says like, a, uh, why do women or something like that. I don't say like talk or, you know, some shit like that is autocomplete results. Now, anyone who knows how Google works, and if Ryan, if you're still in the chat, uh, you, you will know this as well. Um, Google autocompletes based on your previous search history <laughs> and based on things that it thinks you want, not based on popular searches. It hasn't done that in years. It hasn't auto-completed search results based on popular searches alone in a long time. And that wasn't the case uh, when, when they were doing that. It, 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 this was after they changed over to... Uh, uh, um, personalized autocomplete. And I raised my hand in class and I said, that's not how Google works though. And all of the people in the, or the, the instructor of the class said, we don't care. And every cunt in that classroom started clapping. Wow. I think you spoke up a lot in the class. That was the one time I spoke up in that class. Wow. So I always got that from courses where I always talked too much. Yeah. No, that was... Uh, dude, UNT, as much as I liked that school, as much as I like their political science program, as much as I like all of that, these people are fucking groupthink asshats. But it's not just UNT. Um, from the Washington Post... Again, I hate Washington Post, but this actually this story has something to do with what we're talking about. Why these professors are warning against promoting the work of straight white men... Published on July 16th, academics and scholars must be mindful about using research done by only straight white men, according to two scientists who argue that it oppresses diverse voices and bolsters the status of already privileged and established white male scholars. Geographers Carrie Mott and Daniel Cockain, Cock Gobbler, argued in a recent paper that doing so perpetuates what they call white heteromasculinism, which they define as a system of oppression that benefits only those who are white, male, able-bodied, economically privileged, heterosexual, and cisgendered. Cisgender describes people whose gender identity matches their birth sex. So, uh, you are a, a white heteromasculine man, then? Cisgendered. Yeah. Don't. Hello, hello, white heteromasculine. Shalom. Hello, I'm, I'm also a white heteromasculine man. We have a lot going for us. We do. We do. Apparently, according to everybody in the world, except, you know, us, when we can't fucking pay our bills and do shit like that. But we're so privileged. Very privileged. We're so privileged. I mean, it took me a week to pay my bill, my freaking water bill, because I didn't get paid for a week after it was due. But, you know, privileged, though. Very privileged. I'm privileged. Yeah, this is the kind of thing that makes me want to kill myself. <laughs> This is the kind of thing that makes me want to kill others. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not homicidal, I promise. I, just, I don't want to hurt anybody. I just hate these fucking... I'm just here for the violence. Fascists. <laughs> okay, yeah. So, oh, yeah. that's a nice, nice line. Go up a little bit. Go a little more. This important research... <laughs> quote, 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 quote. Quote, this important research has drawn direct attention, attention to the continued 
underrepresentation and marginalization of women, people of color. And I'm not going to finish the quote, so end quote. Heteromasculinism. That's a nice one. Don't you love liberal elitism? Uh, I do. I love liberal elitism. I love, I love being the race slash gender that people are phobic about. Especially as someone who's never been racist or homophobic, transphobic, whatever you want to call it. I'm, I'm probably one of the only people I know besides, like, you? <laughs> um, and, and I'm talking about people I've known for a long time. Guys like you, Ryan in the chat, uh, a friend of mine, Steven, a few other people who I know that have always been very pro do what the fuck you want with your life Especially people. coming from the town we came from. Exactly. That's what's so peculiar. Exactly. Very pro do whatever the fuck you want to do. Right? And I've been that way for years, and so have you, and so have many of my friends. And yet, as a as a white cisgendered man, that's a mouthful. It uh, it doesn't matter. I did not intend for that to be a gay joke. If you took it that way, <laughs> it's a mouthful. <laughs> I'm afraid you turned it into one. They turned me into one. <laughs> oh God, yeah, feels good, man. So yeah, they don't want people to use straight. Well, I have a question. Yes, sir. What if okay. a paper or a study okay. written by a, a straight white man or team of straight white men Be careful. is the most meritous study that they could possibly use not in, my in their research? Not in your America. Okay. My America, I do not. I don't even white, want white men here. And definitely not I know Travis, but I was talking about people that I've known for years and yeah, years. Yeah, he says, Travis. hey, he says, hey, I'm a libertarian. Agree. I know. But God. I was talking about people who I've known for a very long time, for years and years. You're so edgy, Travis. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Me and you and Cora and your fiance and Sloan yeah. and Travis need to all get together and go out drinking one night. Oh yeah. That would be tons of fun. Um I feel like we're all introverted people, too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so You get a bunch of introverts in a room and you get one extrovert. <laughs> Travis says, damn my Y chromosome. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, this is uh, it's the way we're, we're moving, man. Now, this hits me really hard. This the, the last one was bad enough, but it's just liberal elitism being liberal elitism. It's big words. It's not going to affect anybody's job, right? No. Not in any way. No. Why would that affect anybody's job to say that they're not merit? They they like merit in their research. From Zero Hedge, Professor Rages. Sorry, my university treated me like a criminal over a joke. Sorry, I was continuing the. Yeah. Anyway. (laughs) Uh, What had I done? Okay, hold on. Uh, for the past six years, I have taught. This is from the story. From the past, for the past six years, I have taught an undergraduate course in international economics at John Hopkins University. Most of my students thought it was a very good course, so I was shocked when, on December sixth of twenty sixteen, I was met at the door of my classroom by Johns Hopkins security personnel and barred from entering. The next day, I received a letter from my dean suspending me from my teaching duties, just three classes before the end of the semester. What had I done to cause such reaction by the administration? I told a joke when discussing offshoring, the practice of firms shifting work abroad, often in search of lower wages. Here it is. An American loses his job due to his work being offshored. He is very depressed and calls a mental health hotline. He gets a call center in Pakistan where the call center employee asks what seems to be the problem. The American responds that he has lost his job due to the work being sent overseas and states, I'm really depressed and actually suicidal. The call center employee says, great, can you drive a truck? (laughs) Not a bad joke. 
that's pretty funny. The lecture on offshoring took place several weeks earlier. Uh, the stated reason for my suspension was that the three students out of 68 complained that my joke had created a hostile learning environment in the class. So, yeah. His story continues. It's on Zero Hedge. Well, what is that about the 18-year-olds? Huh, where? 1944, 18-year-olds were losing their lives on the beaches of Normandy to protect democracy, including free speech. In 2016, our 18-year-old... Uh, 18-year-olds need trigger warnings for potentially hot topics of discussion. Safe places if their feelings are hurt by an idea, or even more ridiculous, time off from university because Hillary lost the election. Free speech and the idea of a university is at a crossroads. I think that pretty much summed up everything that's taken place between 2009 and now. Yeah, I agree. I agree. The, uh, there's... Look, I'm, I am a uh, 100% pro-free speech person. I don't think there's anything you can say... I want to make this very clear because this encompasses all of free speech, all of speech generally. And I want to make this very clear because people say, what about, what about, what about? Don't give a shit. This is a staunch opinion that I have on this topic. What about, what about, what about, what about? No, nothing, nothing. What about nothing? Free speech is free speech. Question. What? What about? Mm-hmm. I do have a what about for you at the end of this. Okay. Give me a what about at the end of this. I don't think there's a thingle, a, a thingle. <laughs> there's not a there's not a single thing that you could think th- say to me right now. Click oh, <laughs> last show ever. Uh, I don't Sorry. think. I, know. I was like ten seconds of me just being me. <laughs> I'm with I don't think there is a single thing you can say as a human being that should be considered in any way criminal. Or, more importantly, socially unjustifiable. Can I go? Question. Yelling fire in a movie theater. Is there a fire? No. I don't care! <laughs> okay. All right. I don't think. I really don't. I do not think there's a thing. A, a, a thingle. God damn it! Why would I keep doing that? <laughs> there's not a thingle thing! <laughs> I don't think there is a single thing you can say publicly, privately, what the fuck ever... That should be considered criminal or socially unjustifiable. Now, I say I say that, and I say that without exception. Okay. Now, speech is never violence. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. I don't believe that speech is ever violence. I don't believe that speech is ever threatening. Okay. Threats are threatening. Speech is not. There's a difference. Threats not composed of speech? Threats are a manner of speech which create a coercive atmosphere. It's straight up coercion, basically. I'm going to kill you if. I'm going to beat your ass. That's coercive, right? And coercion is violence by its very definition, right? So coercion is different. Coercion is not speech. Coercion is coercion. Speech is speech, right? Fire in a crowded theater, speech. I'm going to skull-fuck you until you die. Coercion. So whenever you yell fire in a crowded theater, and then everybody runs out because you just yelled fire in a crowded theater, and two old women get trampled to death. I know. I know the argument. And as awful as that may be, I don't think saying the word fire, regardless of your situation, is criminal. I would actually agree with you. I'm just playing devil's advocate. I'm I'm with you. I I know. And here's the thing. It's a totally legitimate argument. 
it is a totally legitimate argument to say you can't put other people in harm's way by your own speech, which is, again, fine argument. I disagree. I think that people are responsible for their own actions down to the individual minutia, right? So if I'm a person, and I used to agree with this idea and I don't anymore, and I I think it's because I'm becoming more radical as the rest of society moves the other way. <laughs> but um, but as the rest of society becomes more comfortable with calling speech violence and regulating speech and all this stuff, I think I'm becoming more of a radical free speech advocate. <laughs> but um, I, 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 I don't believe that a person standing up, if a person standing up on a pulpit, guy in a church, let's say, pastor, a pastor of some kind, I don't know who would do this as a pastor, but let's say a pastor's sitting up there and he says, go kill the president. I do not believe he should be culpable if a member of his congregation goes and kills the president. So should Charles Manson not be prison? Charles Manson is... Uh, he never killed anyone. I know. Dun, dun, dun. I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm making the argument I'm making. Bold move, bold move there. Uh, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, I mean, look, you can, you can look at Charles Manson and all this stuff, and uh, those are... Interesting examples, interesting outlier cases even, but I'm making the argument I'm making. And if Charles Manson didn't kill anybody, he didn't kill anybody. I, I really do believe that personal responsibility goes down to the individual minutia of, of, of the situation. So, again, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with the idea of incitement to violence. I don't think it's real. I do think there is such a thing as coercion, which is in itself a violent act. If I say, I'm going to kill you, or I'm going to kill you if you do or don't do this thing, that's a coercive act. That's not speech, that's coercion. It's just using speech as a medium? Exactly. Speech, when I say speech, when I say, I shouldn't say speech, I should say expression. I should use the word expression instead of the word speech. What's he say? The pastor says there's not a thing called thing. A thing, called thing. <laughs> God <laughs> God damn it, Torvis. Yeah, and I, I'm... I'm I think I'm becoming more and more. I think I'm becoming more and more radical in my in my speech, uh, in my uh, oh, what's the word I want to use? Sovereignty of expression. I think I'm becoming more and more radical in that as everybody else goes like the other way. Yeah. As everyone else becomes more okay with with uh, regulating speech and classifying speech in all these different ways and microaggressions and. Fuck you. That's a nice one. A microaggression. Right. Please I don't want to kill yourself. Oh, I'm sorry. Was that a microaggression? Let <laughs> me say it for the kids in the back. KYS. Okay. I don't know that I want to cover these. This one is interesting. From the fire. Now, the fire.org. This is an this is an organization. You ever looked at any of this yes, stuff? Yes, I have. Uh, what's your experience with the fire? Um, I actually thought, because I was talking about law school earlier, getting involved with an organization like this. Um... Well, don't go ACLU. No, 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 no. They're defending Linda Sarsour. Linda Sarsour. Linda Sarsour, I'm glad you asked. Linda Sarsour is a uh, feminist, one of the people at the front of the Women's March, and who has been a Women's March leader. She is a, uh, she is a Sharia Oh, yeah, I know you're talking about. And she um, is a fucking cunt who defends female genital mutilation, and said that people like Ayan Hirsi Ali, Ayan Hirsi Ali, look her up, she is a goddamn hero, 
people like Ion her CLE don't deserve their vaginas. Don't deserve their vaginas. Quote of the day, kids. Yep. Linda Sarsour, goddamn cunt of the day. So, um, okay, so uh, ACLU, ACLU is an organization that sometimes they do a thing, and I'm like, yeah, and then sometimes they do a thing, and I'm like, the fuck? Anyway, continue. Yeah, I've heard of fire though. I thought about doing something like like working with them if I got to law school. What's your What's your take on them? Have you ever Have you ever kind of dug into their stuff? Yeah, I've heard some of their cases. Like, I don't know. It's pretty. It's pretty cool. Honestly, like what they do. I haven't heard of anything that I disagreed with necessarily. It's usually like defending students, right? Like that's their thing. And typically, they they take a very constitutionalist stance on free speech, though. Whereas um, I'm more of a radical. They take a constitutionalist. Well, you got to work with what you got. If you're working within the, if you're yeah. a lawyer working within the yeah, law, no, you're exactly right. You work that's that. exactly right. Um, what institution of higher learning are you interested in? Uh, me looking up on here. Uh, what's the one where the people were like, "You're a racist, old man," or whatever? To the professor who was like, uh, the "Halloween costume." Was that Berkeley? No, no, no. It was like Yale or something. Let's look at Yale. Let's look at Yale. Yale. I think that was it. Uh, yep. Yale students demand resignation from faculty members of Halloween email. Yeah, that's what it is. Um, I need to find... I, I looked at the wrong thing. I need to... I'm trying to look up the Yale campus school ratings. What's cool about the fire is that they have ratings on uh, the schools where by... They <laughs> they basically rate the school speech codes. So a uh, a school can have a uh, there it is. A school can have a red light, yellow light, or green light. A uh, <laughs> good night, Torvis. He's going to bed. We're we're racist old men, according to him. Ah, <laughs> ah we are. Good night, Torvis. Um, yellow light. Okay. Yale University has a yellow light. Yellow light is basically you're asking for a lawsuit. Red light is you are directly unconstitutional. Oh, nice. Yellow light is you're asking for a lawsuit. Green light is you're pretty good. What's, what's Texas Tech at? What is Texas Tech at? I'm curious. It's probably a green light. I know, uh, interestingly enough... Texas Tech University. I can't. I can't type. Let's look at Texas Tech and see. Yellow light. Holy shit! Texas Tech University has been given the speech code rating yellow. Yellow light colleges and universities are those institutions with at least one ambiguous policy that too easily encourages administrative abuse and arbitrary application. In the student handbook, the anti-discrimination policy is a yellow light policy at uh, at Texas Tech. Examples of inappropriate behavior that may constitute unlawful sexual harassment include but are not limited to sexual teasing, jokes, remarks, questions, looks, gestures, innuendos, or stuff. Looks? Gifts, letters, calls, emails, or materials of sexual nature. Okay, I can get that. Sexually explicit visual material. Communicate. What the fuck? What's the last one say? Non-consensual sexual inappropriate. That's fucking rape? Other gender-based threats, discrimination, intimidation, hazing, bullying, stalking, or violence. Wow, Texas Tech, get your shit together. Freedom of expression, though, is actually okay. Their anti-discrimination policy is yellow. Bullying and cyberbullying code of conduct is yellow. Misconduct is yellow. 
Freedom of expression activities and forum areas. Is yeah, the forum areas pissed me off. There's a free speech area on the tech campus. Free speech zones. And I actually had one philosophy professor, a very liberal guy, say, yeah, that's bullshit. That yeah, it's a- absolute bullshit. We have one of those at UNT. Student handbook, freedom of expression activities, forum, uh, and forum areas. So this is actually greenlight policies. Some of these are. Yeah, so most of their policies, though, are yellow. That's nuts. What's the worst one? I, I mean, I'm curious. I was like, what's the worst university they got? What is the worst university? Okay, let's look. I love going around their website and just looking at stuff. Let's go to school ratings. Let's look at Texas first. Let's just look at Texas general. I'm sure UT is going to be right on the top of that list. Oh, I'm, oh yes. Speech code rating, red. Go. Go. Rice. Rice. Wow. Rice Sam is Sam Houston State. Sam Houston doesn't surprise me a bit. Texas Women's doesn't surprise me a bit. Here's a Houston. UNT's on there. UNT's red? When did they get moved? You're kidding me. They changed the student code of conduct, and they immediately got hit with a red light. There's sexual harassment. Unwelcome conduct of a sexual nature, including but not limited to unwelcome sexual advances, requests for sexual favors, sexual violence, and other verbal, nonverbal. As soon as you hit nonverbal, dude. Yeah. It's fucking broken as soon as you hit nonverbal. Or physical conduct of a sexual nature. Wow. Wow. It's nuts. Last time I looked up UNT, it was not red. It was not red light. Well, I went to a uh, better school than uh, in here. Just kidding. <laughs> University of Texas at Austin. Uh, look, click on. I want to see. This okay. Is nuts. I wonder what their red light policies look like. I bet it's just a. I bet it's a shitstorm. Office of the Chief Information Officer acceptable use policy. Speech code category: Internet usage policies. Requirements: Be civil. Do not send rude or harassing correspondence. Shove that up your ass, UT. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I've been expelled. I think I've just been expelled. <laughs> I almost called my professor a cunt through an email, but I refrained. Everyone <laughs> refrained. Punishment for infractions includes but is not limited to verbal warnings, revocation of access privileges, disciplinary provision, suspension from the university. Criminal prosecution. Fuck you, UT. How about that? Policy on sex discrimination, sexual harassment, sexual assault, sexual misconduct, interpersonal violence, and stalking. Wow. There's sexual misconduct and, uh, and uh, internet usage policies are garbage. That's crazy. And then UT Dallas, I'm sure, has the same thing. Let's look somewhere that is... Uh, yeah, let's look at, like, a not-Texas school. Like, Texas, yeah, you're yeah, going to be yeah. pretty safe other than Austin. Let's look at a... Uh, uh, Massachusetts would be a good one. Massachusetts, that's a good idea. Each code rating red. Go. Let's see. Yep, I figured Boston College Boston, would be Boston, right up top. Boston University. Boston University. Clark University. College of the Holy Cross. Uh, is that a private school, though? Yes. It might not be now. Yeah, it is type private. Okay, so that's arguably okay, though, from their perspective. Yeah. Boston College is private, too. Public. Birmingham State University. Harvard's private. Harvard, private. Oh, my God. Mount Holyoke. Northeast University, Salem State, Tufts. Every fucking college in fucking Massachusetts. I wonder how many colleges in Rhode Island. All of them. All of them red. Let's look at Rhode Island. Rhode Island's such a small state, though. I'm looking at uh, at just red. Oh, straight up University of Rhode Island, the one school, red. <laughs> it's a freedom of speech is an issue there. Yeah. Let me uh, 
Sexual harassment stuff gets a lot of people. Okay, man. Let me ask you a question. Yes, sir. You're, you studied philosophy? No. Yes, I did. I thought you did. You, uh, you know a little bit about, about philosophy. Keto. Touch. Smidge. You know a little bit about philosophy. You know about uh, various aspects of speech and politics. Let me ask you, what, in your opinion, is the importance of free expression to a society? Well, like Dean said earlier, freedom of expression is how you build on things. Mm -hmm. Like art, the same thing with education, right? You don't have these new ideas coming up, but you get the same regurgitation, right? And so it's kind of like, so Dean and I think think similarly, not the same way, but we're in the same line of thought, same train of of thought, you know? Um, But if I surround myself with a bunch of Deans, where am I going to go? Where am I going to go from that? I'm just going to be saying the same bullshit stories over and over and over again. So if I surround myself with people that have differing opinions, then we can get we can find our truth. We can we can get neurodiversity. Yes, if we can, you will. If you will, that's a big word for me. <laughs> uh, but if you if you really honestly like, how do you how do you actually learn new ideas if all you Grow have as a human being are old ideas? Yeah. So how do you? Uh, that's that's the uh, the that is. Perfect. It smells for life. It smells like tobacco. There's, I've got this this beard one. I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you a little bit to drip or something like that. But um, I've got a couple of drippers I can actually use if you want to use a dripper and, and try something. But um, yeah, the 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 it's free speech to me. Look, uh, I, and I made this point in in a recent show. The argument for censoring Nazis in Germany is that Germany has a bad history with Nazism. I did not see that coming. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's good enough. I don't think it's a good enough argument. Because, and I, and I kind of frame this in the same way that I framed all of the people who were so upset when Trump won. I frame this in the same way that I framed my lack of sympathy for those people. And it is as follows. It's difficult for me to feel sympathy for somebody who wanted such an amount of power in the executive when it was their guy, but they're now afraid of that power when it's the other guy. Yeah. It's because they share different ideals. And they're not willing to compromise. And so, my issue with, well, Germany is a bad history of Nazism, who gives a fuck? Because as soon as Germany gets a leader in power who decides that, well, we're already seeing it now, Nazism is anything that certain groups of people disagree with. Who decides that any kind of speech whatsoever is Nazism, or, or unacceptable speech, or, in the last episode, illegal opinions. Illegal opinions! It still blows my mind. Um, where's the thought police? Yeah. Where's George Orwell? Even though exactly. he's a socialist, where's George Orwell when you need him? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. The, the, um, <laughs> it just it blows my mind. You don't want Nazis in Germany... So you put together fascist laws in Germany? I'm telling you, man, death of Western civilization. It's terrible. And this is the thing. This is, this is what bothers me the most. Is that, and again, it, it, part of it comes from my anarchism and part of it comes from uh, you know, various other things. But I disagree vehemently with the notion that you can silence opinions. I, don't, I think that once you take an opinion and you ban it from Twitter or from whatever... Once you drive those people underground, there is no longer anyone there to stop them. 
Because all that stops, look, you first have to accept the idea that, and, and this is, of course, for, if you want to go along with this philosophy, you first have to accept the idea that the thing that stops bad ideas is other ideas. Mm-hmm. You can't stop bad ideas with laws. You can't stop bad ideas with, with anything other than other ideas. You can attempt to. That's about it. It doesn't work historically. It doesn't. So, if you accept that notion, that the only thing that stops bad ideas is other ideas, good ideas, then the notion of, of sending people with bad ideas underground becomes self-defeating. Because now there's no one there to stop them. Now I can't respond to the Nazi on Twitter. I can't respond to the communist on Twitter. I can't respond to the social justice warrior on Twitter. All these people who have bad ideas... I can't respond to them. I can't respond to the Islamist on Twitter because you've sent them underground. Now, nobody's going to send Islamists underground because, well, that would be Islamophobia. But a guy like me, who argues against Islamists, might be because he's a white supremacist. That's how you get your Donald Trumps elected. That's exactly how you get a Donald Trump elected. That's exactly right. I can't stand... I have been accused of white supremacy... And it confuses me because I hate, hate <laughs> any racial supremacist. I think it's the stupidest thing in the world. Mm-hmm. There's no such thing as racial as as a racial supremacy. Have you ever looked at the IQs of different nations, like on a map? Different nations? Yeah. Yeah. That's, might skew you. It's interesting. It, it, well, here's the thing: it's not supremacy to say that there are cultural factors that make one group more educated than another. People in Burkina Faso are going to have a very different IQ level. Yeah, that's exactly Western, Western. That's exactly yeah. So I don't think it's supremacy to just to point out that fact. But, and that's just a statistical fact. I mean, it's not even a, a problem. It's just get a better education system in that area. Like, it's, it's fine. Just get a better system in that area. Teach people how to think. But um, I, I just, I, I don't... The idea of racial supremacy, to me, there's smart people and there's dumb people, and smart people are better than dumb people. That's a very West Texas way of looking at things. <laughs> I don't. Look, it's not wrong. I mean, here's the thing uh, white supremacists, dumb people. Islamists, dumb people. You know what I mean? Like, uh, that's, that's the way that it breaks down to me. And I don't know, I, I mean, you can call that bigoted if you want to. Fine. I don't have a problem being a bigot against a dumb person. Because what are they going to do? Be dumb to me? There's a... It doesn't have any racial context. <laughs> there are incredibly smart black people. One example is your Thomas Souls, And there are incredibly smart white people. One example is your Sam Harris. And I disagree with Sam Harris on a number of issues. <laughs> but he's a really smart guy. Right. He makes reasoned arguments for the things that he believes in. I disagree with him vehemently on many of them. But he's not a dumb person. Right. Right, and that's and that's the thing is we we also have to jettison the notion that disagreeing with me is bigotry, is stupidity, is whatever. Because it's not. There are very smart people on any side of an argument. If there's an argument to be had, there's smart people on either side. And so I and and again, it does not respect race. It doesn't respect race at all. Intelligence exists. Across all races. Right. All religions, all, all creeds, all sexualities, everything, right? If, if you value intelligence and knowledge, 
You don't value the color of somebody's skin or the sexual orientation of somebody else. You value how smart they are. Exactly. See, I'm, I'm all for meritocracy. Yes. I'm fine with it. Plato, um, if you're out there, I'm not okay with the philosopher's kingdom, but... No. No, 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 no. Nothing yeah. would get Isn't done. This, uh... And not in, like, right a good here. way of nothing getting done. This right here is a blueprint for the death of society. <laughs> and there's a lot of good stuff in there, too. There's a lot of really good philosophy in there, but... Of the noble eye, man, come on. It's more like a... More like a, uh, How Not To book. Yeah, exactly. In my opinion, there's more, uh... There's more to be said for social issues and, and for the importance and, and, and for philosophical issues in this book than there is in... What is it? Oh, God. A lot of other stuff. I'm not a fan of Nietzsche. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah, well, I, like Nietzsche I like Nietzsche, but I don't like people who like Nietzsche. <laughs> <laughs> They're all like edgy teens who are like, I'm a nihilist. I they're, all, they're all edgy teens who don't understand Nietzsche. Right. <laughs> Where's my Sart book? I need my Sart oh, book. Oh, Way of Being in Nothingness? Yes. That's a good one. It's, I think, I know I have that. I don't have you read the whole thing? I might have given it to my mom. I've read excerpts. I don't there's think no I've read it cover to cover. There's no way I would ever be able to read it. <laughs> um, actually, outside of even being in Nothingness, uh, Simone de Beauvoir has... Oh, she's uh, great. Isn't she? She's great. She's a feminist. Listen up. Read her. Yeah, and exactly. Then, and then don't read it. If you want to be an effective feminist, read Simone de Beauvoir. Read Holy like a real shit! Feminist. Holy shit! Is she the sm- one of the smartest philosophers in history? Yeah. <laughs> she's absolutely brilliant. She takes what Sartre does. She she takes what Sartre does, and then she just says, "Yeah, okay, but let me refine this." <laughs> Yeah, let me actually put it into what people can understand. Exactly. I, fuck. <laughs> I don't like Sartre. I do like the existentialist. I like. I do like. I do like Nietzsche in that sense. Like, I like the idea of revenge. Um, Nietzsche is a lot of. To me, the, the most important aspect of Nietzsche isn't the Ubermensch. The most important aspect of Nietzsche is the phases of man. Phases of man is important too. Uh, that, that, to me, is the most important aspect of Nietzsche. Everyone glosses over that. But it's like, no, no, no. This is the root of existentialist philosophy. This phases of man thing, this is, this is what gets your mind churning and gets you toward existentialism, is, is the kind of, is this phases of man idea. Oh, it's the same with Kant. If you read Kant, people are going to go ahead and they're going to point to the golden rule. Exactly. Right? They're point to, but there's so much more there. Uh, same with John Stuart Mill. People will read mm-hmm. the utilitarian, and I'm like, okay, cool. I care about the libertarian aspects of Mill. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. Who, so Nietzsche's your favorite? Are you Nietzsche's writer? not my favorite. Actually, I would probably say... Uh, honestly, my favorite philosophical work... Okay? It's a Tractatus. Is Sartre slash Beauvoir in a blender. Nope. And about it. <laughs> as far as existentialism, I'm a Camus guy myself. Camus? Camus not bad? Camus got me into philosophy. I cannot so I argue got, against Camus. You know what I mean? Like, I cannot argue. My, my philosophical forays began with Kant. Um, really more than... I mean, outside of political philosophy. Sadly, mine started with... Uh, what's her name? Uh, she's the Russian uh, objectivism. Ayn Rand? God, yeah. Ayn Rand? Sadly, that's where I got my yeah, start. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad we moved past it. Look, I don't hate objectivism as a philosophy for business. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm like a-okay with it for business. Exactly. Objectivism as a philosophy for interpersonal relations 
is kind of shitty. <laughs> yeah, I. So my fiance's friend. It doesn't exactly fit with my with my personal Kantian ethics. <laughs> That's, I have a, a, a friend of mine, a friend's friend. He he's sort of becoming a friend. Um, this girl's boyfriend. He's actually working on his PhD in economics right now. Brilliant, okay. brilliant guy. Like very smart. You're working on a PhD in economics. You got to. You got to be a smart. Guy. You also have to be a little short sighted and think that economics can actually answer any questions, but. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> I don't have to continue this. Well. No, economics. Look, uh, economists are wonderful. They're trying to answer some of the hardest questions that that people can ask because you're dealing with a thing that is nothing more than individual action on a massive scale. It is impossible to really address that in a way that's that's going to be reliable and, and that's going to be. I mean, there are certain philosophies and there are certain overarching points you can take for economics, but. Economists are trying to answer some of the hardest questions known to man. Sadly, they can never do it. <laughs> and, and most of them know, which is probably why they're objectivists. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. He has a very strict... I, he would probably say he isn't, but from what I can tell, he's. it's almost like he read Ayn Rand and stopped there. I'm like, stopped there, yeah. That's depressing. But So I, I, I asked him, I was like, what are the moral implications of... Of, of objectivism. These, of, of, yeah. of objectivism in, in your economic theory, I said... Uh, and I and I actually kind of lowballed him. I was like, like let's uh, think of you and you know what's her name's uh, relationship. Yeah. Do you treat her in an objectivist way? He's like, yeah. It's like, where's the love? He's yeah. like, haha. What do you mean? I was like, how can you love somebody? How can you love somebody if everybody's a tool? If every action is is merely an action or reaction to your own actions. Yeah. And has never looked at anything more than than that. How can you have interpersonal relationships? Uh, how can you build upon that? And how can you love somebody? Well, that's my biggest problem with objectivism. And again, it works in business. It, it works perfectly in business. It really does. The problem is applying that to interpersonal relations. Like uh, applying that to social uh, norms. It becomes a problem because, again, I, I'm, a, I'm very Kantian in my ethics. I, 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 I am not an objectivist. I'm back on my phone. Hi! <laughs> I'm not... I, I'm really not... I, I can't consider myself a utilitarian because there are too many excuses you can make for killing too many people for, uh, under yeah. utilitarianism. <laughs> Where are my trolleys? Exactly. <laughs> Give me my really? trolleys. Give me my trolleys. Anything really, from the trolley. There are way too many excuses you can make for killing way too many people under objective. Under yeah, absolutely uh, not objective. I'm sorry. Under uh, utilitarian, utilitarian philosophy. And that's Still, one straight of my, act utilitarianism. You should look at uh, some two layer utilitarianism. Yeah, I mean, here's the, I break with Sam Harris. On a lot of ethics, because he he has a very utilitarian outlook. He's talking about uh, you know he I I believe he would say if we got to kill some civilians to kill some terrorists, let's do it. You know what I mean? All that stuff. I don't think that way. <laughs> so I think I'm somewhere in between you two. Yeah, uh, he he would. I I think he would say that. I'm not going to speak for Sam Harris. He's Sam fucking Harris. But uh, I I think if you drilled him down on it, you could get him there. Uh, I I personally Kingdom of Ends all the way from me. I am going to have uh, Kingdom of Ends deontology. Yeah. Yeah, deontology, Kingdom of Ends. Yeah. <laughs> you don't like it? I do, but I don't. <laughs> what? What? You know what I do? It's kind of like a, it's calling a stepchild. Sorry. What's, That's what's wrong really with the Kingdom of Ends? <laughs> I like it, but I don't. <laughs> what's wrong with the Kingdom of Ends? In a um, I don't know, man. I think there's more to it. I'd have to I'd have to reread Khan for sure. I personally, uh, to me, the Kingdom of Ends is utopia, dude. Like, uh, uh, which of course makes it impossible. But I think it's definitely something to strive for ethically. 
I'm always something to strive for, but it's unattainable. That's why I think virtue ethics is more important. Virtue ethics? Yeah, it can, vir, virtue ethics can send you on the right path. And it will. it's a nice sweet spot between deontology and utilitarianism because those are two ends of the ethical spectrum. Yeah. Unless you're a communist and you don't have ethics and thank God the people killed you. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. I'm more of a moral intuitionist, I want to okay. say. So I, I actually quite strongly believe that our... Our intuitions tend to lead us in a moral path, and a lot, okay. of, and that's a very continental philosophy, philosophical ideal. It is. It's also very culture specific. Yeah, a lot of people do not. They just don't have, yeah. have it. But. I agree. I think that I personally am, am, am very drawn to deontological ethics, just because to me, and it's not. It's not that it's an easy answer. Because once you're faced with something like a trolley problem, there are no easy answers. Right. But I think deontological ethics, to me, brings about... Frankly, in looking at Simone de Beauvoir, and in looking at Sartre, I think I've sort of decided what I think the highest good is. What's the highest good? Wait, I do have to go relatively soon. Okay. So okay. Let's Relatively soon. Okay. Well, we're we're almost. How long have we been going? We've almost been going for two hours. We can we can end this whenever. But um, I I think I've kind of decided what the highest good is, What's and you're going to disagree. I think, I think maximizing freedom is the highest good. Uh, I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't like that. I don't know. I <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing. If you're looking at De Beauvoir. Very compelling case for maximizing freedom. Yeah, I I, I really do. I, I I've started. To, I I I for a very long time, and and in the time that you've known me, up until very recently, actually, I was one of those people that was convinced that there was no highest good, that there there is no highest good, that what you value is subjective, right? But in order for subjective values you to matter. You have to have freedom, right? So I've started to kind of turn, and I've started to say, well, wait a minute. If value is subjective, then value must be allowed to be subjective. Thus, freedom must be the highest good. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so I've kind, of, I've kind of started to turn that way now to the point where I think that maximizing freedom is the highest good. And I'm, it scares me to go there because I was always – I have always been – not always – for what I would consider in my legitimate philosophical inquiries – Throughout that time that I've actually done that, I, I have always been the person that was like, no, 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 values are totally subjective. You can't say anything's the highest good. The idea of the highest good is dumb in itself because you can't, you can't get anybody to agree on a subjective value. Read some philosophy, kids. <laughs> fuck with your mind. Now, I, now I've totally turned to where I'm like, not nah, freedom. Freedom's the highest good. Freedom is what allows for subjective value. And the coolest thing about that is that might change. Yeah, exactly. It has, and that's exactly right. I mean, I, like, like I said, I'm, I'm I'm scared to have gone that way because it's so counter to what I used to think. And that's the thing is you you start to turn, you start to learn more, and you start to see the world differently. I guarantee you. And I think I'll probably hold this this stance for a while. Uh, just knowing myself, I think this is probably one that I'll be able to hold and defend against arguments for a long time. But eventually I'm going to hit a point where it's like, shit, maybe it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. And that's the cool thing. Seriously, that is like the coolest thing about philosophy is we'll have these hardline stances and then, fuck, 
then, yeah, uh, then something just... fucks your mind, and you're like, oh my god. That's what I love, I love about it. I love it. That's what I love about it. But, but, in order to have the discussions, in order to find new philosophies, in order to look at new ideas and discover new ideas and change who we are and what we think, we have to have... Freedom of speech. Freedom of speech. That's exactly right. No censorship. No censorship whatsoever. Thank you all very, very much. And thank you, Zach. Dude, thanks for having me on the show. For again. Being I, on I've, the show. I love coming over here, and I'm, I miss Dean. <laughs> I always miss Dean. Oh, it's been a while. Well, Dean, we're Dean is be... one of my groomsmen, if I'm sure you guys want to. Yes, yes. I, I was about to say, we're going to be seeing more of each other in the, in the coming yeah. months, I think. Yeah, a bachelor party. Yes. This October 20th. Yes. Anyway, all our right, party, man. we're good. Um, yeah. So, uh, would you like to give the people a place where they can find you, or would you like to keep that to yourself? Yeah, sure. If you guys want to find me, uh, I'm, I'm like an old man, so I'm on Facebook. Just look up, uh, go to Dean's friends list and look up Zachary. <laughs> I'm not, here's the thing, I don't even use Facebook anymore. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, I don't, I don't really look up Zachary Edwards and you'll find me there. Zachary Edwards, I think Facebook. it's a picture of me and my lovely fiance. Yes. Uh, Instagram as lovely well. woman she is. I have just kind of random banter. I love memes. Something about that. What is your Instagram? That, that's probably the place to go. Instagram? Instagram? Yeah, that's what the kids are up to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. it's Zachary25. Z-A-C-H-A-H-A-R-Y? Z-A-C-H-A-H-A-R-Y-2-5. Okay, yeah. cool. Uh, you can find me at Dean... Uh, no, you can't. Haha, I changed things because I'm about to have a job. So I had to change some things around. You can find me on Twitter at Dinofiles. That is Dinofiles, no spaces, no hyphens, just at Dinofiles. You can find this show on AIRAD.io, AI Radio. You can find this on uh, YouTube as well, on the AI Radio YouTube channel. You can donate to the show at patreon.com slash Dinoshow, no spaces, no hyphens, Dinoshow. And if you want to go to our home where we live, you go to AIRID.io slash Dean Dash O Dash Files. Uh, again, uh, Patreon, Dino Show. Patreon, Dino Show. Patreon, Dino Show. I'm on Twitter at Dino Files. And that is, uh, that's pretty much all the information you need to find me. Track me down. Um, I'm going to be uh, doing some changes to the YouTube page. Adding some friends channels onto my, uh, premier- onto my uh, 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 featured Whoa! I yeah, broke for a second. Bad, bad. I, should, I should have broke for a, a single thing. <laughs> a single thing. <laughs> Onto my uh, featured channels, I'm going to be adding some of my friends' channels and stuff like that. I'm going to be doing a show with Ryan. Uh, we're going to be doing a show uh, on August 5th is when we're going to record. I don't know when he's going to post everything, but August 5th we're going to be recording an anime show uh, for all you weebs out there. We're going to be doing, we're watching all of the first episodes from all of the current season of anime, the summer 2017 season. We're watching all the first episodes except for the shows that are sequels and stuff like OVAs and stuff like that. So we're watching all the first episodes of the anime from this season, and we're going to be doing a show on uh, August 5th about the shows that are available on Amazon Anime Strike. We're breaking it down based on where they're available. Uh, these shows are going to be available on on Amazon Anime Strike, and so you can go. Uh, it, it'll probably be on his YouTube channel. He might upload it to ARAD.io under the Annie Files channel, Annie Files, I believe ARAD.io slash Annie Files, and then 
we will uh, be doing that as well. That's an upcoming project. I'm very happy that Ryan's getting back into the game. I think that's going to be really fun. Uh, and I will be having Zach on again very soon. Very, very Rock soon. On. Again, Zachary25. Yep. I'm at Dino Files. Donate to the show, patreon.com slash Dino Show. And uh, that's it for today, my friends. Thank you. Thanks for being a part of this. Thanks for being a lovely audience. And uh, thanks to everyone in the chat. The chat was wonderful. The chat was today, dope don't you tonight. Think? Oh, yeah. Man, this is my first experience really having an active chat. I'm very happy for You're it. You're welcome. <laughs> you brought them. You're the only thing that I'm changed. <laughs> oh, thank you all very much, and uh, I'll see you next time. This show is part of the Alternative Internet Radio Podcast Network. For more great shows like this, visit AIR at AIRAD.io.